Sweatshirt or no sweatshirt this morning for you, Kev? I went no, but I went long pants for the first time since, boy, April, May. So I'm, I'm the opposite. I got sweatshirt and shorts, which is an odd combo. I mean, it's downright chilly. It is definitely autumn Peak this morning. crisp fall morning here in Indianapolis. I was thinking about this on the drive in. I feel like the weather's been pretty good for high school Friday nights, but this is this will certainly be the most layers you've worn to a yeah, high school game this season. You're right, because it's going to be probably, what, in the lower 50s maybe tonight? Yeah, maybe getting into 60, but uh, definitely not much higher than that. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, and Mark Dykton. Coming at you here on Friday, September 23rd, which I guess after yesterday that we are now into fall and we'll preview the Colts home opener coming up in about 48 hours from Lucas Oil Stadium. Any Thursday night football viewing for you? I did watch uh, a fair amount, actually, of Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And the one thing that I think, Kevin, that probably, you know, I'm not going to say I was unaware. I just hadn't really paid attention to is Cleveland is pretty good. I mean, that team is well built, I think. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. You know, they, um, they're they kind of all in here. I, They may be one of those that, you know, I asked you, I think a couple weeks ago, I said, there's always that one team that you get like mid or late October and you're like, are they good? I think maybe they are, and that might be Cleveland. I, I mean, it's not a huge surprise. I think people in the league thought they were going to be pretty good, but the quarterback situation, no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, which has kind of become like the standard line about him over his career, but you know, obviously, that they're waiting on their long-term quarterback to be able to to play, um, but... You know, Brissett really played well last night. Nick Chubb is a really good player. They just have good balance. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I mean, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, that's the best running back duo in the NFL. Right. Um, the trade for Amari Cooper, I mean, I said it back in March, that is the exact move that this organization on West 56 should have explored. Was it a day three pick for Amari Cooper? Yeah. It was I mean, it was a totally come on move. like I, you know I, and I get that his contract situation uh, played into that but the Colts were in a contract or were in a cap situation where they could have absorbed that um, the wideout tight end group has got some other guys that are intriguing the offensive line is always viewed as one of the best in the league the Amari Cooper trade was actually a fifth round pick Cleveland sent a 2022 fifth round pick and swapped 2022 sixth round picks with the Cowboys. You know, here it is. Can anybody name the Colts' fifth round pick from this last year? Let me just say it's Eric Johnson. 703. I love that song, Clips of Dover, that he does on the guitar. He shreds it. Uh, It's 703 on a Friday morning, on a crisp Friday morning. Somewhere on the northwest side of town. The general manager of the Indianapolis Colts has got his coffee in his hand. He's on his way into West 56, Kansas City coming to town, home opener, a lot of fever pitch about it. Patrick Mahomes on his way here. Chris Ballard's feeling good about things, and he's like, you know what? Like Jake Quarry says he thinks we're going to win. 
And so I just want to know, like, what, what, I wonder what the mood is right now. What are they talking about on the radio in terms of our team? Cleveland last night, and Jacoby was playing. I, 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 and then he gets in the car, he turns on the radio, and this is the first thing that comes to his mind. Definitely made me think. And I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, 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 uh, whiteouts. <laughs> now, Kevin, you're too nice a guy. Do you think Chris is really feeling good about things? Yeah, you're too nice and too humble a guy. To if that were me that he was saying that about, there would be, I'd probably, I don't know if I'd go with five, at least four billboards on 465 that just said, "How you like me now?" Well, I tried to, but that Kokomo 1956 state championships <laughs> have all the billboards in town. By the way, that's the most brilliant billboard campaign ever. Greg Doyle wrote a column on that. You remember a couple of years ago? I'd also hope often oh and oh one and one start. Chris Bauer is not feeling good about things way. heading into the office today. I would hope that he's not in a great mood. Yeah, a little bit of fire. Yeah. Um, the highlight of the night was certainly the George Pickens catch. Um, I remember during the draft process, George Pickens actually came to West Fifty Six for a top thirty visit, um, and I believe the vibe around the Colts organization was one of the more entitled draft prospects they've ever encountered. Uh, uber talented. And I think many people felt like Georgia was almost happy they won a title without him. Um, but he is one of those guys that would fall into the category of not meeting the Colts' character standard. And so if he is able to handle things off the field, get used to him doing that against the Colts. He, he had a lot of red flags around the league, yeah, right? Wasn't he ejected a couple times in college, if I'm not mistaken, from games? Right. Um, but, yeah, that was a hell of a grab. I mean, that was kind of his lone highlight of the game, but still. Pittsburgh's in a unique situation, Kevin, because... I feel like they got a lot of those wideouts that just, like, make one flashy grab Yeah, you're right. Um, You know, Mitchell Trubisky, again, I thought sufficient, but there's going to be... When you've got a guy in Pickett who is a young quarterback sitting on the sidelines that played well in the preseason, but then you throw in the fact also that he obviously collegiately speaking, played in Pittsburgh, those voices are going to start to get pretty loud, right? Mike Tomlin was pretty aggressive last night in saying that he does not foresee a change imminent. But to your point, Jake, um, that is kind of the elephant in the room. When you do draft a guy, not only do you draft him in the first round, but he was by far the most experienced of these college quarterbacks that came out last year so the Browns moved to two and one frankly the Browns are what one extra point away from being three and oh or one recovered onside kick yeah that collapsed with the Jets last week from being three and oh next week's Thursday night game Dolphins Bengals that's a good one that is a good you the Thursday night slate is no longer laughing stock color rush jerseys and uh, again I mean being on and and by the way I meant to ask uh my buddy Mitch Glansman last night asked this via text, so I wanted to ask it on the air. Did anybody have problems with their Amazon Prime? I did not personally. Now, is Mitch a new friend? I don't feel like we've heard his name. <laughs> have we, Mark? It's Mitch Trubisky, right? That's your friend? No, Mitch Glansman. Oh. We usually have a bingo card of Jake's friends, and I don't even Marcus know if Mitch is, always is my free space. on the card. I think it's fair to inquire. If, if people are listening to this program, Kevin, they're friends of mine. So I figure, why not introduce my 
other friends so that we're all friends. It's it, it's we're just one big collective group. Uh, Mitch Glansman, I went to high school with. He is on the. Uh, I'm on a group text, tracksuits and tiger queens. He is one of the tracksuits. Those are the guys in the group text that started during quarantine. There's like 19 of us that oh, literally probably 30 texts a day. That sounds stressful. Oh, it's the best. It's the absolute best. I but, had some Amazon issues week one, but nothing last week. And I think it was more okay. internet related for me. Um, Did you? I, I None. No issue at all. None. It is. Listen, the, it's a great, it's a quality broadcast. So we're in the year 2022. When will the year be where there will be one button on your remote that you can go from streaming to cable if you have both? When, Some, when will be the year where, okay, okay, Yankees, Red Sox, let's say last night they would have been on ESPN and you want to watch Aaron Judge's at-bats. When will it be that you literally press previous channel and you go from Aaron Judge's at-bat to... Jacoby Brissett. Instead Somebody, of pressing seven well, buttons. Okay, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had mentioned, uh, and by the way, that is Kevin Bowen. I'm Jake Quarry. It is Kevin and Quarry here on a Friday morning. Good morning to you. Plenty of talk about the Colts and Chiefs coming up over the course of this morning. Greg Rakestar will join us on today's show. So, too, the voice of the Colts, uh, Matt Taylor, will join us on a cool but very uh, clear and what looks to be a good-looking Friday. Kevin, when we had talked about this last week, I had mentioned exactly that, that that when you watch the game, you're kind of locked in because it, it's too hard to get out of the streaming and back onto TV and then back right. over. And somebody was like, dude, you're just too old, man. You don't have the, the right remote that has the – and they showed me their remote for a smart TV or whatever that can just – and I'm like, I, I don't think that yet is the case, is it? Boy, I, I must be – not with the times, if there is a remote out there that can do it in one click. That's what, yeah, I mean, agreed, because it is like, you because know, Because last night exiting. was, I mean, I feel like we are starting to get around these, we want to see Aaron Judge at bats. Like, it's starting to get to that level right, right. with him. Um, Did you see last night? Oh, how about the camera guy? You talking about the judge shot to center field? Yes. The yeah. camera guy thought he thought he had. The camera it. guy thought it was you know a four hundred and forty footer. Right. And you know it's that big pan back where you're waiting for it to really just bounce off of whatever that is the scoreboard or uh, in deep center. And my it, mom used to always say because this is a Harry Carey line: one more biscuit for breakfast, and he'd have gotten it. Long fly ball to the deepest part of the ballpark and the warning track. I thought I saw a stat that that ball would have been gone in like half the major league baseball parks that's correct 13 parks i did hear that because i flipped over um was that game on fox maybe was it on national tv or was it on espn i would assume yes but i think it was on i at any rate wherever i think i flipped over thinking i was going to something else the news or something last night and the game was on i'm like oh okay i'll watch it, it was the last inning and they were talking about it because he had just been up and they mentioned that fact that 13 parks yesterday he would have hit the home run. But it was still, um, you know, when the weather turns like this, Kevin, nostalgically speaking, I, I do think about, uh, you know, baseball is, I know that it's funny to me. I know that baseball is America's pastime and it's the boys of summer, right? But when I really think about the real fun of baseball i think of like the shots in the crowd of people in sweatshirts and like 
you know, a hooded sweatshirt, like dressed like Steve Bartman, because there's a chill in the air while they're nervously watching their team in October in mm-hmm. the World Series. And and I'm not a huge Yankees fan, but the Yankees are a part of that. You know what oh, I mean? Without question. Without question. Yeah, I, that would be probably my kind of first thought baseball-wise. Uh, two weeks ago in the regular season there, I think 13, maybe 12 games left for the Yankees as Aaron Judge is one homer away from Roger Maris on the all-time or on the single season list. I wonder if Maris's family will be there like they were for McGuire. Yeah, super prominent during, um, during McGuire's. I mentioned I watched that summer of 98 or whatever the exact title is the other week encourage everybody to see that that's pretty cool is boys of summer is boys of summer is that what it is have, have you so. been to fargo north dakota i have not so you know my one of my goals in life and this shows that i'm a i'm a, I'm a human being of of very high aspirations uh one of my goals was to go to all 50 states i don't know that it was a goal when i was a kid but when i got up to like 45 i'm like you know what i'm pretty close gotta go to 50 so one day, literally, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna, I, I was missing Oklahoma and North Dakota. I was in my final four, and those were two I was missing. So I literally, this is 2007, I got in my car, I drove from here to Oklahoma, woke up in Miami, Oklahoma, and was like, well, this place is pretty boring. So I drove from there to Fargo. And Gosh, how far is that? It was like a day drive. I mean, it was probably, let me think, I'm going to guess 600 miles. Something like that. So, anyway, I got to Fargo, and I'm like, and there was a Welcome to Fargo Center, and I went to it, and this lady's like, Welcome to Fargo. And I'm like, yeah, uh, is, what is there to do here? Oh, we got the Roger Maris Museum. It's real nice. You know, he's a native of, of North Dakota. Okay. Is the accent that strong? It's pretty strong. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go to the Roger Maris Museum. So, I put it in my phone, and it's literally telling me, like, turn around you know like it's and i'm like where is this museum i don't see anything all i see is like a a dick sporting goods so i walked into what was a mall and i'm walking around and my and finally i stopped somebody and i'm like is there a roger maris museum here and they're like oh yeah it's down there next to the chess king right right by merry-go-round and i get there and it literally was a five foot wide trophy case with like three trophies and a glove <laughs> And an old VHS television showing a 90-second loop of Roger Maris home runs. <laughs> that was that was the Roger Maris Riveting. Museum of Fargo, North Dakota. Riveting. I'm like, hey, you know what? I've been to Fargo. Where's the wood chipper? I'm going to throw myself in it. Colts injury report continues to look, I think, pretty good, although no Yanni Kangakwe yesterday at practice. Um, he was limited on Wednesday with a back injury, did not practice Thursday. This is a guy that does not appear on the injury report often at all. Uh, he's played seven games in the NFL. He's missed two games. Jake, to me on Sunday, and we can get more into this throughout the show, there's two major elements to any sort of blueprint in pulling off the upset. One is obviously Jonathan Taylor playing some sort of ball control game offensively. The other would be getting home with a consistent four-man rush. And I know people will laugh at that, and rightfully so, with what we've seen the first two games. If you don't have Ngakwe for some reason, your backups to him, guys like Tyquan Lewis, guys like Dayo Adangbo, those guys are much more of like kind of interior versatile guys than just pure edge speed guys. And I get it. Ngakwe's done nothing here in the first two weeks. Um, but that, I think, is something to keep an eye on. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce continue to practice, and Shaquille Leonard, nothing confirmed on him making his debut. Still practicing, but 
again, if you're going to ask me today, I'm still a little hesitant on if he uh, is going to play on Sunday. What do you think the mood is amongst Colt fans about the home opener? Is it what percent of this weekend's anticipation is about the fact that people are super excited to go to the home opener and what percent of it is discussion about the fact it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and like an apprehension? Yeah, I think it's a very small percentage that like happy about the home opener slash we've got a legit chance to win this football game. You know, Stephen Holder had a tweet yesterday that I thought was interesting, Jake, in referencing the start to the season and just the anger from Colts fans towards this start compared to other bad starts. I mean, you think about the Frank Reich era, you know, you started one and four last year. You started one and five in 2018. And right now you're only two weeks into it. Yes, it's a one and one, but you know, record wise, it's not to the level of one and four yet. It's not to the level of one and five yet, but I totally understand why fans are the most pissed off about this one than the other ones. And, you know, we've kind of mentioned this throughout the week. It's the expectations that you had coming into the season. It's the opponents you've played through the first couple of games. You factor in what happened at the end of last year. And I just think it's a reminder that, like, the problems largely continue to be the same, Jake. Yeah. And I think the Colts said, oh, yeah. The issue is Carson Wentz. And two weeks into it, the issue is not just Carson Wentz. The issue is... You know, I mentioned this at the end of last year. I do an evaluating Chris Ballard after every season. And I read the excerpt that I wrote after the 2020 season and the 2021 season. And literally, I could have just copy and pasted. The premium positions are still the question marks. What do you have at left tackle? What do you have at wide out? Where is the pass rush? Those questions are still I'm, extremely relevant here on September 23rd. Kevin, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. And and this is not some sort of an attack or indictment. It's just not. I'm legitimately asking this question. This This is a question that it's like algebra. I'm legitimately it's, – it's actually the opposite of algebra because in algebra, a lot of times, I don't have a, a difficulty finding the answer to something. I can't figure out what they're asking me. And then I have – like my tutor will say, well, what that means, Jake, is they're asking you this. And I go, oh, okay, well, that's pretty easy. Yeah, it's this. But I can't understand the question. In, in terms of Chris Ballard, I can't understand the answer. And that's this. And I've said this before about Andrew Luck. I don't think anybody doubted that Andrew Luck was an elite-level generational quarterback. And you could see it on the field at times. But when I would ask people about it, like, what makes him so unique? Nobody could pinpoint it. He's just great. What's great about him? He's just He has it. What's it? Greatness. Uh, okay. With Chris Ballard, I've, I, I've heard now for – how long has he been here? Six years? Yeah, uh, 2017 he was hired. So I, I've heard for a long time what a highly thought-of, respected – uh, envied maybe to an extent executive in football he is and I don't dispute that I, it's not my place to dispute it I don't work in the National Football League but then I asked the question of well but why he just is for what in what in what way he just has it what is it 
has nice sweaters, a cool southern draw, and a 5 o'clock shadow. He's a nice-looking guy, seemingly a nice guy, family guy. But from a football acumen, what is it about him that is so different than Bill Tobin or you know the other you know other people that we've seen that run franchises not terribly, but in mediocrity. And the Colts are kind of, you know, yesterday I, I was at an event for the Pacers, and we were discussing the Pacers' trajectory here. How was that, by the way? It was very cool, actually. Um, kind of their pre-media day almost, yeah, Well, right? what it was was, and I'll give a lot of credit to uh, Mike Preston as their PR director. I think it was kind of his brain trust. They just had uh, basically the Pacers brass sit up there and then the media um, kind of just like a cocktail hour without the cocktails. I mean, soft drinks, but um, just kind of to mingle and just chat and get to know each other. And then Kevin Pritchard kind of, you know, he did a Q&A. Um, and on the record Q&A. But one of the things that I think that, that came out of that is that the Pacers realized that they were kind of, they were stuck in eight-seed purgatory and that they were going to have to basically just say, you know what, we, we need to step aside from this and come up with a plan, and maybe it's the wrong plan, but we need to have one and just go for it. And that's what they, you're, they're in the process of right now with the young players that they have and probably will have for another year going through that. And I think that at times with the Colts, they've tried to avoid that, and it, that's just hard to do in the NFL. I mean, look at Miami. Miami was stuck in, in eight-win purgatory, nine-win purgatory for the last five years and just said, you know what, we got to make a move here, man. And they grabbed the, the gear shift and they put that bad boy in sixth and now they're going to see what happens, right? Well, when you've treated quarterback how they've treated over the last four years, you're going to be stuck in purgatory. Correct. You cannot play quarterback, and, and I guess Kevin... And what is it, 10th, 7th, and 8th? Is that what they finished in the AFC the last and, three and years? here's the thing. And yes, to the Colts' credit, they did decide to, to go ahead and push in on a long-term quarterback. So, to their credit, they did do that. They just picked the wrong one. Right? And the owner just said, nope, not going to do it. So, you're right back to square one. I don't know if you know the answer to this, Mark. It might be better for you. Uh, Jake, you are not a coffee guy, right? That is correct. Mark, do you do K-Cups? Yes. So, Rosie is obsessed with putting the K-Cups into the Keurig, punching the hole in them, and then taking them out. Uh-huh. Of said cure. Does that stale the K-cup? I mean, it can't be good for it. Boy, it's like you're breaking the seal on, on food and stuff. I know, and I'm sitting here right now thinking to myself, that coffee I drank this morning just tasted stale, and I just feel How long was just... it sitting out before you used it? She did it yesterday afternoon. Okay. Yeah, I would I'd probably try to get her out of that habit, or at least make her do it with you, or whenever you're going to have a cup of coffee, well, ever do she, it? She, thankfully, she's not up when I'm up drinking the well, coffee. If you, have an, if you have a late one or something. You had but... stale coffee? Does coffee you, go would bad? that, you know, if you punch a hole in the K-cup and you expose the grains, you whatever. Feel, see, at least she's doing the Do you punching. Feel sick? The, at least she's punching the hole because my, my one-year-old, she just squeezes it and goes pop. And oh, wow. And shot the grounds out everywhere. That'll scare you. new carpet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a messy situation. That was a messy situation. I was not really a coffee person until, honestly, probably... 
until Rosie was born. I think that's probably common, isn't it, for a lot of people that like once they have kids is when they become. And to be fair, like I, I know I just said that I feel a tad lethargic this morning. I'm not really sure if it does much for me, but I'm such a routine person that now that I have created that yeah, like as a effect. routine, sure. I'm like, this has got to be every day. That English muffin with peanut butter on it. Oh, you'll have an English muffin with Vegemite coming up here in just a few days. Are you excited for that? Straight from Melbourne. Michael and Marcus going to come in studio and bring you Vegemite. Cannot wait to see them. I will probably just... <laughs> oh, i got to run to the break room. I'll be back next you know, segment. These are... The, Michael, the, my Australian buddy Michael from Melbourne, who's going to be in town, um, Adam on the list with Farkas, y- you... That's you like guys, B8. That's kind of in the corner. B8 there on the bingo card. You can add him to the list. Actually, it's B2 vitamin f- Vegemite filled with it. Um, you can actually add them to the list of people that then privately you can say to one another, you know, Jake's friends are really good guys. Like, why do they hang out with him? I Trust me. At your birthday party, I thought that. Talking to Mike Byron 24-7 and really the Love Brothers as well. Matt like, says put the K-cups in a Ziploc bag. That's a good call. Or, or simply in a spot where she can't reach them. I mean, is that, you know? Well, you know what? Uh, we're just looking for entertainment you, for about 10 minutes. You're raising Wilt Chamberlain over there? I mean, just, <laughs> you know? Wilt Chamberlain, by the way, I don't know if you know that or not. A lot of people think that coffee stunts your growth. Wilt Chamberlain supposedly started drinking coffee when he was like seven years old. That cannot be good for you. I, well, I mean, I guess Wilt had a pretty good life, you know? Easy, easy there. I'm just uh, saying. It is a very crisp. Woo! Start to this Friday morning. It feels like fall outside. I think it's week six, I believe, of high school football. Greg Rakeshaw is going to join us at 8 o'clock to chat about that preview. Uh, college football around the state for this weekend. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. I saw he was up early. He was inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, I think, making some TV rounds as the Colts home opener. Again, the biggest underdog in the Frank Reich era for a home game. That is a five-and-a-half-point spread. At least that's what it was yesterday. I assume that it stayed there. It's still five-and-a-half. Five-and-a-half points for the Colts here as they welcome in Patrick Mahomes. The first time Patrick Mahomes will be playing inside of Lucas Oil Stadium in his NFL career. Kevin Aquari right here, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The defending Eastern Conference champs will have a new head coach for this season. Ime Yudoka suspended for a year by the Celtics. Jake, I don't know if you saw the press release. Something I noted in there, because, again, we're extremely vague on details outside of a consensual relationship with a female within the Celtics organization. They used violations, plural, not just a violation. Were My guess would be violation one was the overall act, and violation two was the lack of transparency when questioned. I, I, that would be my guess. Sham Sharnia also reported that, like, you know, maybe at one point it was consensual. Uh, it, maybe that wasn't necessarily... Um, throughout what about the this? relationship. And, and, and this is probably dangerous of us to speculate, but what about consensual relationship that once, for example, that once it ended, either way, that there was some sort of a comment of, now I assume you're not going to tell anybody about this or else, you know. Yeah, that 
that's certainly a possibility. You know, Again, your job would be in jeopardy. Yada, yada, very yada. vague on details, but yeah, I mean, that is a thought that I think is fair to probably throw out there. Um, interim head coach will be Joe Mazzula. Does that ring a bell at all? I worked with Joe Mazzola um, in St. Louis, a photographer. Nice guy. Uh, Joe Mazzula, ironically enough, the 2010 Final Four, Brad Stevens, yes. the head coach of Butler, obviously, over here at Lucas Oil, and Joe Mazzula was on West Virginia who played That's right. in that Final That's Four. Right. I think the iconic moment of West Virginia here was when Deshaun Butler got hurt in that Final Four game, just crying like none other. Bob Huggins kind of going out there to console him on the floor. Uh, but 34-year-old Joe Missoula, um, he will be... He was a good player at West Virginia, uh, right? Brad Stevens. Yeah, I don't think he was like Deshaun Butler, like their star. He was like their quarterback of the floor, Yeah, exactly. He's like their Ronald Norad. Correct. Um, I think is how you would describe it there. Uh, College football this weekend. It's going to be UND at Ohio Dominican. That's at 1 o'clock. And then Marion taking on Missouri Baptist. That's on the road. 2 o'clock start on Saturday. Elsewhere in terms of... The Division One schools, Ball State at Georgia Southern, 6 o'clock kick for Ball State. Then Indiana and Cincinnati is a 3.30 start. Notre Dame at North Carolina is a 3.30 start as well. Florida Atlantic and Purdue at 7.30. Indiana, a large underdog at Cincinnati. That still surprises me. Yeah, we'll do our picks at 9.45. I assume we'll all be right now, you, to cover there. Purdue, that's homecoming. My Aunt Kathy was talking to her last night. She was not happy about the uh, late kickoff start. Really? Homecoming for a night game does sound weird, though, doesn't it? I feel like homecoming kick should be like 3.30. Totally. I, I would agree with that. Uh, Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge hit a deep fly ball to center last night. By the um, way, thank you to John and Jeremy for pointing out the Maris family was there last night, apparently. Really? Yeah. So that's cool. Um, the deepest part of the ballpark did not go out, so Aaron Judge will stay there at 60. Cubs beat the Pirates 3-2. Cardinals over the Padres 5-4. The Reds lose another one. That's now 91 losses on the year. Um, that is a quite a number. Kevin, uh, don't look now, but I've been saying, cute fella, needed to finish 14-2 and two to get in the playoffs. Won three in a row since. So what are they now, like three, four back, something like Beat that? Beat the Astros, two love. I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> uh, wild card races three wild card spots in both leagues at the expanded playoffs, but right now it seems to be Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, and the AL, Braves, Padres, Phillies in the NL. <laughs> Uh, Colts will have their final practice of the week today. Bernard Ryman did get back to practice. Um, while I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be in the starting lineup this weekend, I just think it's important for you know all rookies to be practicing. You said Bernard Ryman he, was back? He called his shot. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what are we doing? I don't have it handy. Are you kidding? I thought that's what you were Jeez, calling. I thought, I thought he no. was the worst setup up. in the history that's why of radio. I mentioned it. The we audio man cued himself up. Do we need to have a meeting about this? No, I won't show up. I'm, I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> but in a limited role yesterday. In a limited role. Hey, take it or leave it. Bernard Ryman, uh, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, again, continue to practice. It's important steps for them after their kind of late-week demotions. Last week, Yannick Ngakwe, though, that was the lone Colt to not practice yesterday. I'm sure everyone could say, uh, well, I don't think he's played yeah, the first two games of the season anyway. Living up to the game day standard right there, buddy. Um, but given the blueprint for the Colts against the Chiefs, Yannick Ngakwe and some semblance of a four-man pass rush is going to be vital. Uh, we'll hit on that when we come back here. Greg Rex on the top of the hour, Matt Taylor at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
Kevin, you are a fan of Notre Dame football, so allow me to ask you an analogy here at 744 on this Friday morning. Are you ready? Please no Marshall jokes. Um, I will not make a Marshall. My buddy Marshall Gephardt would have enjoyed that. See, there's another one for your bingo. Look at that, Mark. Three friend references before 745. <laughs> I'm close. Might need that Miller Lite that I had at uh, the Brickyard the other day. I might need one of those. The coffee didn't work today, so I'm we'll sorry see. sorry that I'm a man work. of many friends. Um, when... Notre Dame's maybe a little harsh, but as a Clemson fan, I will watch like in Clemson, especially in their in their like the the prime national championship years for Clemson. I would watch Clemson and then I would watch like a Purdue Minnesota game, and I'm like, man, there is just a massive difference here, like just in terms of the speed and the precision of the teams, and. For that matter, I watch Clemson now, and I'm like, okay, I can see that that's not the Clemson, you know, the prime, right? And like Notre Dame, I would imagine there are times where you watch them, and then you watch Alabama, and you're like, okay, I, there's clearly a different level sure. there, right? Um, in watching Kansas City, who will be here this weekend, in any way, shape, or form, do you watch Kansas City like in their game against the Chargers after you had just watched the Colts against Houston or Jacksonville and think to yourself, the, these are two totally different levels? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Varsity versus JV. I mean, it definitely feels that mm-hmm. way, does it not? Yep. Yep. The old 6 o'clock game for the JV and then the 7.30 game for the Varsity. And yeah. the thing that is fascinating to me is that yet the – the AFC, I mean, it seems, you know, there are far more teams like the Colts than there are Kansas City, obviously. But as Frank Reich said, I don't think that Frank Reich deserves necessarily the complete mockery that people think when he said, we're not that far off. Because that sounds crazy because of who they played. Those two teams are terrible that they played so far. At least we think so. But... If you look at the overall power structure of the AFC, I think there are a lot of people that think like Indianapolis is still kind of in that mix with, you know, maybe Miami has has taken the elevator up a little bit and you're like, whoa, I didn't know they were getting off on this floor. But Cleveland maybe is in that same category. So there are teams that are kind of rising up to, to the Colts level while the Colts are maybe going in the wrong direction. But my point long-winded here is it feels like they're in a different category than Kansas City, but... I still think Sunday is winnable, and I, I this is my last this is my last pass I'm giving them. I do think they're going to win Sunday, and if they make me a fool for that, which <laughs> there's a lot of other things that you can point to to make me a fool, but if they get blown out, then I'll say you know what I'm done with them. But I have the belief that they're not as far away, and that gap is not as big as what we've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think the gap is pretty big, Jake. Um, but I would say this. The Colts are, I think, better equipped to handle one part of the blueprint with Kansas City than most teams. And that is having the presence of a Jonathan Taylor, being able to potentially play a ball control type of game. Like, you know, Miami, for example, they're better than the Colts right now. Would you say that? Yeah. Um... Yeah, certainly the record says yes. How about Denver? Yes. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Denver hasn't gotten off to a great start. I but think like, Denver's probably in the same – but like, yes, point taken. But they don't have this bell cow running back that could potentially grind out in a 160-yard afternoon, do it to 25 carries, and you look at the time possession at the end of the game, and the Colts have had the ball for 12 more minutes in Kansas City. 
We'll have Matt Taylor on a little bit later. Matt brought up a great point earlier in the week. And I know time possession, it can kind of be a finicky stat. You know, to a lot of people, it doesn't matter at all. Um, but if you look in the Mahomes era, when the Chiefs have lost the time of possession significantly, they're like, I think the stat was like 3-10. and 10. Right. I mean, that's that's a jarring stat when you think about how successful they've been. And I think we should note, one of Kansas City's best linebackers, Willie Gay, suspended this past week for four games. And I think if there is a chink in the Kansas City, Kansas City armor, it is a little bit of the, can they be a upper echelon run defense? Now, they don't get challenged in the AFC to that level on a routine basis, but if someone wants to go that path, can they kind of match that on the defensive line? So I do think that part of the blueprint, Jake, pounding Taylor, playing a little bit more ball control, trying to have long drives, they can do that. My issue is the other part of the blueprint, and that's the four-man rush getting home. If you look at Mahomes' career, he has feasted on what Gus Bradley wants to do defensively. The whole cover three. I mean, hell, if you look at it last year, the Chiefs scored over 40 points in both meetings against Gus Bradley and the Raiders. That, that to me, is where the worry comes from. It's, can your four-man rush get home? Because if it doesn't and you don't disrupt timing... You let Mahomes sit back there for three or four seconds, that dude is going to find something eventually. And that is where the concern comes at it for me. And then you throw in an Ngakwe injury situation, those factors, that's the part of the blueprint that I just can't get behind. Well, I think if the Chiefs just get off to a hot start and the Colts continue their streak of a cold start and say the Chiefs get up to multiple scores, you're taking Jonathan Taylor out of the equation. You're forcing Matt Ryan and the wide sure. receiver group to try to beat you at that point, and I don't think they can keep up with Kansas City. They should scoring. have the roof open because if the Chiefs get off to a fast start, that bad boy's going to collapse, right? It's going to cave in. Because yeah. you, you get behind them with John. The problem the Colts have... And that's what they did in 2019 is they played from ahead for a large part of that game when they upset Kansas City. Right. At, and they hit Mahomes early and often. Eight hits on Mahomes in that game, four sacks. If they come close to matching that on Sunday, this could be a game. I, I just think... I just don't think I can. When your main offensive weapon is your running game, you can't get behind. I mean, for the obvious reasons, from a clock standpoint, you can't get behind too early or else you're in trouble. I don't think there's a lot of like, you look at that 2019 matchup at Arrowhead, Sunday Night Football, the Colts win that game. We've talked about it a few times this week. 45 carries in that game. Tyreek Hill did not play in that game. Ironically enough, neither did Shaquille Leonard. Um, He was banged up. Travis Kelsey in that game. Four catches on ten targets. How often is that going to happen? Right? And we've seen tight ends usually absolutely feast on the Colts. So that is something that you look ahead to Sunday. And by committee, they've really been that at wideout this season without Tyree Kill. Kelsey is still Kelsey. What can you do to neutralize him? Jake, maybe I'm putting too much stock into this. I just don't see Kansas City. I get to the. I think they have Tampa Bay next week. I just don't see them as treating this as much of a trap game as so many people. I think Kansas City wise are worried about, and for a couple of reasons, they're in a loaded division. They know that any slip up there, and all of a sudden that AFC West could go in a different direction. Yeah, that. 
and look at what Buffalo did Monday night. I mean, if you're Kansas City, you've had 10 days off since your last game, and you sit there and you watch Monday night football, and you see what Buffalo did, you gather as a team on Tuesday and say, guys, if we want that number one seed, we might need to win 15 games. Like It might take that with how Buffalo has looked early in the season. And again, to reiterate, with the expanded playoffs a couple years ago, it's no longer the number one and number two seed each get a bye. It's just the number one seed that gets a bye, plays one less game, obviously has home field throughout. So there's just a part of me that thinks Kansas City will be a little bit more locked in. This isn't like the week eight game where you know you might get lost in the shuffle. I still think it's early enough in the season where they're going to be pretty focused. Your other question that's a good one. I don't want to say any names and out anybody in case they would, you know, people would be offended by it, but um, already in the building I've seen one coworker wearing a Patrick Mahomes jersey today. Was it Jimmy Cook? I mean, that's a that betting favorite, right? It was, right? It was not Jimmy Cook. Are you saying a lot of red and yellow in the building? What percentage will it be? What'd you say? You say 15 yesterday? I might up that to 20. Yeah, it, it'll be a loud, loud 20. Loud and proud, right? You yeah. know, another thing to Mark's point about getting <laughs> off to a good start, Jake, if you go three and out, Kansas City scores, there will be boo birds. You think so? Without question. Without question. Are they booing the guys on the field, or are they booing the construction of the guys on Probably the field? Probably the latter. They're booing the entire operation. Yeah. I, I, I met this in all seriousness yesterday. I tweet, I, I posted like an article to our website about kind of do the Colts have any sort of blueprint to beat Kansas City? And I meant it in all seriousness, Jake. These are some of the responses that I got on Twitter. Can you say them on air? I quote, I can get the blueprint to build a house. Doesn't mean I can build it. The Colts have a better chance of forfeit. Kansas City hasn't shown up yet, right? If the Chiefs get a COVID outbreak, that's the only chance the Colts have. Wow. Okay. Here's the thing, though. NFL teams are like the super hot girl in college. You can say to your buddies, like, I'm telling you right now, if she flakes out one more time, that's it. It's over. No, it's not. No, it's not. Was Sean Copeland the Chiefs fan? I have no comment. Ooh, that's, that's mm. I like Sean Copeland, but those B-Bucks, they I might be going there's, towards a Patrick there's Mahomes There's not too many jersey. people in this building when we walk in, so that's that's true. I have no comment. Oh, boy. Mark, I got news for you, buddy. That sun is about to blast you. Coming through this window, it is a gorgeous sunrise this morning. Let's uh, let's sneak <laughs> let's sneak Mike in. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, right? Let's sneak Mike in before we get to Greg Gregshaw at the top of the hour. Good morning, Mike. Hey, what's going on, guys? How uh, you doing? Uh, another day as a Colts fan. So, I mean, I'm sure you can tell. Um, Mike, you sound so, depressed. Are you depressed? <laughs> well, yeah, because so this year I've been a season ticket for eight years now. And I just renewed this year in the 111 or section 115, almost 10 grand. And then to put on a display like this makes me not even want to renew. <laughs> but but here's the thing we'll you will, won't you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I'm, I'm half tempted to sell my tickets. I didn't even go to any of the preseason games, which I never do. But um, so, purpose of my call, man, I heard y'all talking Monday. I tried to get in, I, I couldn't. Um, 
about Ballard and Wright. I say fire both of their asses. I don't. I don't like Ballard's philosophy in free agency. I don't like Wright's game plan. And, you know, his, his aggressiveness sometimes bites bites us in the ass. Uh, <laughs> my main point of the call today was at what point. You know, I don't care. Oh, and four and one, or oh, six and one, or one five and one, whatever the case may be. At what point does this guy say? All right, Indianapolis, Bowen in particular, you guys was right. I need a re- I need a receiver. He's gonna make a call to ODB or TY. I mean, when when does it happen, man? I mean, just tell us we was right. That's uh, and here's the thing, Mike. I think Mike sounds like a fun guy to have a beer with. It, it, my PBR party. I think I might invite Mike. Mike's a frequent listener, fr- frequent I, caller. I don't think Kevin and I got invites to that yet. What's that? No your PBR party. Well, so you guys wait. have it with me every morning. PBR? No, well, certainly. not that, but... <laughs> I could use um, one. I, listen, I think it's a great point, though. I mean, there there probably is a level of, for Chris Ballard... Now, uh, Odell Beckham, people need to get that out of their head because he ain't going to be healthy until at least Thanksgiving, right? And again, why would he want to come here? Right. Right. I mean, he could go to... Pro- you know, he, Somebody's going to see Odell Beckham Jr. as their final piece for a Super Bowl like last year, right? But... I get it why fans would 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 be pining for Chris Ballard to simply say and 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 I get it from Chris Ballard's standpoint that there is a level of humility of you know what I was wrong cuz he 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 dug his heels in boy on the receiver thing right I mean yep. it wasn't just you Kevin he's dug his heels in on it he is the smartest guy in the room and anybody that says that they should get a receiver doesn't know the room and doesn't know the the temperate and doesn't know how to build a team and whatever else right to That's Mike's a point question <laughs> <laughs> to Mike's point, um, Ballard did say several times, you know, we'll get through the start of the season, we'll do this, and then we'll evaluate Whiteout. It's a long season. We might make a move in season. To me, you're just wasting golden opportunities. Games are too precious. You're not a good enough football team to squander opportunities like they've squandered and think that you can overcome that. Oh, yeah, we'll just sign a Whiteout in October, and that'll cure all. Well, there's a reason you haven't won a September football game since 2020. Don Charles ain't growing on trees. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton across the way. It is a crisp fall morning. Was it really Sean Copeland? I have no comment. Go in there and look at the break. Right, Go I walk will. in. I will. Greg Ragsaw joins Be a crisp one tonight for Friday Night Lights. I believe it's week six. We've got Franklin Central and Noblesville tonight on our airways greg rakestraw joins us right now from isc rake uh, who you got tonight i have ben davis and lawrence north as ben davis hopes to run their league record to three and oh i remember the start of the year we we're kind of like 6a is pretty wide open uh some five weeks into the season you still feel that way very much so. I mean, I think you've got Brownsburg and Hamilton Southeastern. They're both undefeated. HSE is off their best start in 14 years. Those two don't play each other until week number nine. And then HSE goes north, uh, which has always been an advantage. And now the 10th year of 6A, if you're in the northern half of the bracket, you have an easier path to get to Lucas Oil Stadium. So it is possible that those two HCC teams could see each other in a state championship game. 
HSE and Fishers in the northern half of the bracket, Carmel and Westfield northern half of the bracket, but in different sectionals. But yes, it, this, this is still very much a, a wide open year where for the majority of the last five or six years, there has been one dominant team that you have pointed to. While Brownsburg, I think, is the best team, there's still five or six teams on any given Friday would have a chance to, to, to beat them uh, if they run across them in regular season or postseason play. Greg, when I was a senior in high school, I went and made a college visit to the University of Alabama with Brady Barr, who later went on to become the host on National Geographic Explorer. And we had to stop like 55 times on the drive down for pay phones to keep getting score updates between Carmel and North Central, which was, you know, I, I, I skipped the broadcast to be able to go on a college visit. That was life to me at that age. It was always a big rivalry. I don't know that it is as much anymore. Um, but that's who the Panthers have tonight, the old Carmel rivalry. Uh, does North Central have any chance whatsoever, or is this typical Carmel? Um, the answer to your first question is no. Um, it is still a rivalry. And when Kevin O'Shea had a really good senior class that, that kind of graduated um, at the conclusion of the 2020 season, for about a three- or four-year stretch, the rivalry was back on. And I had a chance to call, I guess it would be 2019, the game when North Central won at Carmel and thinking about how big of a deal that was. We still use the clip of the game-winning touchdown in a lot of our promos. Uh, North Central star receiver was Richard Hamilton. I think he had three touchdowns that night. So whenever these two are good at a given sport – it's a big deal. Like, you know, I did a documentary on the Carmel North Central tennis rivalry. And if you go back to the 80s, early 90s, that was the season opening game back before they were in the same conference. Now they're no longer in the same conference, but they're going to keep playing in week number six. But unfortunately, this kind of a talent cycle and feeder system development, et cetera, all those things are down at North Central, which takes away a lot of the rivalry feel of the game that's coming up tonight. Rick, I think you'd be proud of me right now. Um, I just asked Mark to turn the channel to ESPN2 so we can watch the, the U.S. men's national team take on Japan in what they call a friendly, which I believe is being uh, played in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Uh Better chance the U.S. men's soccer team advances out of their group at the World Cup later this year, or the Colts make the playoffs? Man, that's hardcore. Uh, you know, put me on the on, on the spot with with two of my passions. Um, can I say both? Can I be just a ridiculously optimistic homer on this Friday morning? Sure. Um, I, I I do think that for as ugly as the last two weeks have been for the Colts, the sheer math of playing in the AFC South and of knowing the talent that's on this roster and knowing there's 15 games left to go still gives them opportunity to be a playoff team and a division champ. Um, the U.S.'s group is difficult. It's not impossible. It's England, Wales, and Iran. Uh, and I think there is at least a win and a couple of draws available or, or potentially two wins available against those teams. So... I'd feel more optimistic right now about the U.S. men's national team, but also knowing that the, the football team has 15 weeks up to figure something out, let's go with both. Now, is Wales part of England, or are they just both part of the United Kingdom and neither one's part of Great Britain? How does that all work? 
So that is very much like Puerto Rico has their own national team and fields their own Olympic teams, and mm. that sometimes the, uh, the the country alignment is viewed differently by the Olympics, by FIFA, by FIBA, um, by whatever your governing body what is. FILA? Do they wear so, FILA over there? I, I don't think so. I think that stopped with Grant Hill, uh, I believe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Grant Hill and a Richard Hamilton reference. We're covering right. all the Pistons here. That's right. That kid was, that on, kid yeah. was wearing a mask in that game. Yeah. Is Darko right. Milicic <laughs> on Wales? <laughs> uh, well, he's probably chasing Wales uh, at some point at, at this time. So, yes. Uh, he was, he was uh, the white whale of Joe Dumars. With, with the show this morning. Um, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland are all the same country, yet all field teams independently in terms of the World Cup, soccer competitions, etc. So England and Wales are not only in the same competition, they are in the same group, despite the fact that professional teams in Wales play in the same league as the English teams do all the way from the first tier of English football down to the fifth tier and beyond. In the you, fifth you can tier call it soccer. That's cool. We live here. You can call it soccer. That's fine. Yeah. I, usually I call it soccer. I'm talking about like, you know, like, like the Indy 11 is a soccer team. I, since I'm bilingual when it comes to soccer, I switch back to football when talking about teams from England. What about footy? So. Don't they call it footy in some I places? I love that. I love that. Rick. They, so they, they do, but they, in Australia, footy is, is Australian rules football. It's Which I'm a big fan different. of the North so. Melbourne Kangaroos, just so you know. He's Greg Rakestra, ISC Sports I Network. you're a G-Long Supercats type of guy. I thought that was the team you'd roll with. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the ruse, man. ISC Sports uh, Network. He honestly should probably be our World Cup go-to guy coming up here this fall. Uh, Colts postgame show host. Those will be the duties on Sunday for Rake. Um, you more disappointed in the O-line or D-line so far this season? Uh, always O-line because there's more expected of them. Now, again, they, they both should have been much better. Uh, the pass rush has been non-existent. Uh, part of that is scheme and what Jacksonville did because obviously you saw at least a little more pressure late in the game against Davis Mills and Houston, but it's always the O-line. You know, your expectations in professional sports, you know, are dictated by – how much money is that guy making? Is he living up to his contract and knowing how heavily the Colts have invested in terms of three of the five starters along that line, that's got to be better. That's got to be your best position on the team. It's not been close to the best position on the team so far. Um, Greg Regstraw is our guest. Greg, do you agree with this statement regarding the Colts and Chiefs game? We will probably know within five series which way it's going to go. I think that's fair. Not 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 and not even in terms of outcome of the game. Just are we seeing the Colts team that we thought we would see? Are we seeing because if you said before the beginning of the season, hey, Colts are going to lose at home to Kansas City, that wouldn't set off alarm bells. Wouldn't set off the panic button. You're like, oh, the Chiefs are one of the best teams. You would hope the Colts would beat them. You know now, and I'm not saying we should be into moral victories around here. But just for the for the kind of the, the future, everybody involved, you know, if the Colts aren't competitive on Sunday, are we having different conversations, you know, you know, over the next few weeks about players or front office or coaches or whatever the case may be? So, so I think we're going to know a lot about this football team the first couple of, of, of quarters, just given how bad all four quarters were last week and given how bad, I wouldn't say the first quarter, the second and third quarters were uh, against the Houston Texans. You know, this team has played maybe 20 to 25 minutes of quality football so far this year out of a possible 130. 
and so I think we're going to know a lot about this team as to how they play in the first half on, on Sunday. They can play extremely well and not get the win. For as important as a win would be, I just want to see them play well. I just want to have some sign of hope as to what the last three to four months of the season are going to look like after Sunday afternoon. Rick, personnel-wise, do you look at anybody and think, hmm, I'd like to see the backup get a look or two and I'll throw a couple names at you I thought and I think it's relevant for Sunday you know do you see a little bit more from Isaiah Rogers yeah young corner who has not played a snap in the first two games obviously defensive backs are going to be a huge priority against Patrick Mahomes at left tackle you know Bernard Ryman a little banged up didn't practice Wednesday so I just don't think they're going to do something there Uh, but Rogers is probably the one that I that I come back to the most yeah, Rogers comes to mind, and again, I, I do think you have to allow for the time he missed, you know, during the course of, of, of training camp because of the injury he suffered after an interception uh, against the Buffalo Bills in Week One. So, so he may have been making up for some lost time. Um, and again, I, I think you'll see more of him. And, and yes, you're accurate on Ryman. Um, I, I, it was a matter of time as to when he was going to take over the left tackle position. Uh, maybe that has been delayed by that ankle injury. But, you know, those are those are the key guys you talk about. And the other guy is, you know, we don't think of him as a backup, but he technically is. The other, you know, head scratcher is, hey, you featured Naheem Hines on the opening drive and dude just went away. Yeah. I could have an explanation as to why Jonathan Taylor had nine carries on, on Sunday. You were playing catch up. Uh, I, I get that. Um, but but your first play of the game, Naheem Hines goes for more than 20 yards. He has another catch on the drive and then seemingly – poof out of nowhere he's gone um and so again he's not the typical backup but he's a guy that you go hey didn't you prioritize getting him more of the football in in 2022 why did you do it on sunday now let's see if that happens this coming sunday you know what just hit me like a ton of bricks and i've never thought about this greg but you know playing catch-up means that you've got to be fast right like you're you're behind you got to move quickly uh catch-up moves real slow isn't that weird you ever thought about that in my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> I'm just saying, just an observation. I, uh, Greg, would you agree with this? At left tackle, you got to make a decision. You cannot go left tackle by rotation. Agreed. It needs to be one guy. I agree with that completely. Yes. And again, uh, I, that's going to to me. It's going to be rhyming sooner rather than later. I just don't know if it's going to be this Sunday. Uh, what do you if think? They're both going to be is? mediocre. Play the rookie. Uh, yeah. Is the holdup just health for Ryman at this point? At, at, at this point, you would think so. Um, and, 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 and really, it's also just readiness. Um, you know, you're trying to make sure you get him. Is he going to be Anthony Costanzo or Tariq Glenn from the first snap? Probably not. But you want to make sure that, in other words, you want to make that move one time. You don't want to have to make that move and then bring Pryor back in to then replace him. I think there is a, again, the ankle slows everything down, but I also think there is a general, hey, let's make this move once, and then once we give it to him, hopefully this is your left tackle for years to come. Rake, last one from me. Um, I, I don't know how much you care about these sorts of things, but it caught my eye. Indiana is a 16-and-a-half-point underdog at Cincinnati on Saturday. I get that IU probably is fortunate to be 3-0 and right now. 16-and-a-half points seems like a lot. It is, and it's a, it is for a team, and I realize how good UC was, and they were a deserving college football playoff they team last year. They lost a ton. They, they also had, what, nine guys get drafted right. last year? And so I don't, I don't say I like the Hoosiers to win tomorrow, 
but I like that play. If you're giving me 16 and a half on the road, um, I, I could see Indiana covering that. So, again, fair point. And and it, there, I'm not sure there's any such thing as an ugly 3-0, and but if it was, it would be Indiana given whom they played, how they played, how things have played out. But they found a way to win those games. We're having a completely different conversation about the Indiana football season if they win tomorrow. I'd almost say some of the same things I said about the Colts. Heck, if Indiana's competitive, it's like, if it's like a one-score game late, I'm far more impressed with that from Indiana than anything I have seen in the first three games. But if you're giving me 16.5 points on the road – uh, I may have to go to whatever company that Bowen is endorsing this week from a gambling perspective MGM. and make some money off that game. Thank you. Now, here's another yeah. one, Greg, now, and we shouldn't wager on high school sports, I realize. I'm just following no. the, the segue there. Um, Scott Wise, my buddy Scott Wise, has Roots Burger Bar now at uh, 71st and Benford. I love it. And there's Scott, one in Carmel, too, yeah, right by my parents' house. Um, and it's a great place. He's got one in Muncie. Great place. Uh, Scott is a graduate of Yorktown. He's going to be upset tonight when they get shocked when Shelbyville comes in and takes care of business, right? Shelbyville will be competitive in that Hell game. yeah, they will. I would probably lean towards Yorktown, but yeah. there is a definitive, you know, this year there's New Pal, and then there's kind of a, a fight for, say, like the middle of, of that league. Yorktown is in that group. So uh, Shelbyville will make it a game tonight, but I would probably Shelbyville's lean got the left turn signal on, buddy. They're changing lanes. Here come the Golden Bears. Rake will be at Ben Davis at LN tonight. You're going to hear him on these airwaves, Soccer Saturday, and then as well with the Colts postgame show coming up on Sunday. Rake, as always, thank you. See you, fellas. Greg, Rake star right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. I think one thing to note on the left tackle, Jake, camp for the Colts this year they probably waited until the 14th day of training camp maybe longer before Bernard Ryman got one starting rep at left tackle I bring that up to say I'm kind of confused that they are rotating him in in games when they hardly ever did it at Grand Park right like wouldn't you experiment with it a little bit then and I get it Matt Pryor you know, didn't have a ton of left tackle experience, so you wanted to get him as many reps as possible. But if this was something that you were exploring, I would have think you would you, – you rotated tackles a good amount last training camp. You kind of gave the Sam Tevies, the Julian Davenports of the world, you know, Will Holden, okay, you get three days, you get four days, you get three days, et cetera. Uh, prior and Ryman, that was not the case at all. Ryman, I bet, took I'd say 5% of the left tackle reps with the starting unit all camp long so that to me adds to kind of the head scratching nature to how they have approached left tackle here in the regular, I just, regular season Kevin you, you've got to make I almost feel like even if you know it leads to occasional hiccups or inconsistency you got to stick you got to go with one and stick with it and honestly I'd explore this Jake Matt Pryor's got experience at, at guard and is a big body I mean Pryor is like Pryor looks more like a guard, honestly. I would even think about Ryman at left tackle, and then you move Pryor over to right guard, and then Danny Pinter slides to the bench. So you're squeezing Danny Pinter out. I know. I know he's one of your one of your important guys. But I just said I liked him because he has versatility. That doesn't mean that he does anything really well. He just can, he just can do a lot of things average. I believe his brother's a fireman up in uh, Noblesville. Really? And that's our game tonight, Noblesville and Franklin Central. By the way, we have a, a gift box here from Maine. 
Oh, did Matthew send something? Yeah. Gosh, he sent me a nice a, birthday card earlier this week. It's a fall Maine package. That looks glorious, that picture of I Maine get, right there. I get the soap. That's all I know. If there's soap in there, I get the soap. Well, not if it's Irish Spring. <laughs> it's not going to be Irish Spring. It's from Maine. If they have unopened. <laughs> a Maine gift box with <laughs> Irish Spring. Although I do believe. Questions. Aren't they the closest to Ireland? <laughs> they of, of they any? probably are, yeah. <laughs> That's true. If they have unopened or unpunched K-Cups, you care if I have a couple of those as well? <laughs> sure. I'm going to open it up here. We'll morning checkdown check time down. here on the fam. I'm check down the box. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, the Colts injury report heading into today's final practice of the week. Yannick Ngakwe was the lone non-participant yesterday. Ngakwe's been extremely durable throughout his career. Been a non-participant all year. Missed just two games uh, in seven seasons. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Good news on Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman's situations. They continue to practice. So does Shaquille Leonard. The answer is short, but here's what Leonard had to say yesterday about his status. Getting more explosive um, on my steps. Um, but, you know, we still got today's practice to see how, you know, the body go from there. But, you know, I feel a whole lot better than I did last week. Don't have a great feel in the situation, but if you were going to make me at 823 say, Kevin, is Shaquille Leonard playing on Sunday or not? I probably would slightly lean towards no. And I have to um, apologize for correcting you here, Kevin, but I believe you said Alec Pierce? Yeah, Alec, uh uh-huh. Yeah, no, actually. Four, four, Alec Pierce. (laughs) This one for Mr. Gilmore. (laughs) How many L's are in that Gilmore? (laughs) Seven or eight? (laughs) Still no video from the owner. I, I thought a loud and proud would be coming at this point. How, How many, many hundred dollar bills is he handing out on Sunday if they just get waxed? How oh, many man. L's are there? Which has more L's? The pronunciation of Gilmore or the Colts 2022 nah, season? This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, uh, you heard Ball State mentioned there. Uh, Cardinals tomorrow at Georgia Southern. Six o'clock kick for Ball State. UND is at Ohio Dominican at one o'clock tomorrow. It's Indiana at Cincinnati in the slate of college football games. That kicks off at 3.30, which is the same time as Notre Dame at North Carolina. It is Florida Atlantic and Purdue homecoming at Ross 8 at 7.30 and Marion is on the road at Missouri Baptist. Thursday night football, the final play of the game last night is why you shouldn't bet. But um, I did, and I am now paying for it. Uh, Browns 29-16 over the Steelers. The Steelers did one of those um, lateral pitchback plays, and next thing you know, uh, the ball is laying there in the end zone, and some Browns player pounces on it, so they win by 13 instead of what would it have been? How late in the game was that? Seven. It was the very last play of the game. Five seconds to go when they took yeah. the snap. That is the definition of what we call a bad beat, right? That mm-hmm. is the definition mm-hmm. of it. Uh, the Browns are 2-1 and one on the year. Uh, I did hate to see Anthony Walker get carted off last yeah. night. I, I've always enjoyed my conversations with Anthony Walker, air cast on the left leg, so I will have to see an update. I'll echo what you said early on, Jake. Jacoby Brissett is Jacoby Brissett. I thought you know he, he manages things just fine. The Browns got a really good team, though. They do. They're very balanced. I mean, very they, balanced. You know, they they've kind of done it the right way here. I think you know, and they're another one that. And listen, I'm not. I, I know the whole Deshaun Watson contract. I mean, I get it, right? But I'm not saying they were right in who they decided to do it with. But 
they needed a quarterback, and they said, let's just go out and get it. Let's let's push all in. And they also were smart in having a solid veteran backup in Jacoby Brissett, who, give him credit, man. He, he was Jacoby Brissett's a guy that was always – kind of labeled I think from here is just like a you know you he's an okay quarterback but you got to minimize with them and I don't think they necessarily did that as much yesterday but it helps to have those two backs back there as well I wonder if Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick would have made sense for this organization and there you go again talking don't do it Kev uh here we go Maple Walnut uh Carabasset Coffee Company oh sh- from yes Maine. let's go now we've got some pumpkin caramel dark chocolate Creamy pumpkin caramel chocolates from Maine. Now, Central American we'll beans of maple those walnut this morning. flavor. There's a whole thing. Do anybody here like tea? Now, the cameraman last night in that Yankees game thought that Aaron Judge hit that home run to Maine, right? He did, but he only hit it halfway across New Hampshire. Aaron Judge, a shot to center last night. The cameraman thinks it's gone. Nope. Warning track shot. So that would have been 61 for him. You said Roger Maris' family was was in attendance? They were there, apparently, yes. Roger Maris' family. So 60 home runs that Aaron Judge remains at with still a couple weeks to go in the season. The Yankees going to bring the family around? Like, if he struggles a little bit, like, hey, keep coming around. <laughs> Get on this plane. <laughs> the Maris family taking a road trip to Pittsburgh. Like, I don't want to see my father's record broken. I don't care. Get on this plane. Yeah, watch that, it. that is kind of awkward. Like, all right, you got to make room for them on the road trip. Yeah. It was pretty cool during the McGuire, the summer of 98, how they embraced McGuire's family. And, yeah, oh, and, yeah, definitely. Of course, he had been a Cardinal as well, Roger Maris. Mark went over there and, you know, hugged them after Yep. After that home run. All right, Kevin Aquari here on a chilly start to a Friday morning. It is a crisp fall day, week six again in the high school football season. We'll continue the Colts conversation. Why does this start feel different? Should it feel different? Talk about that next here. Kevin Aquari. We'd like to thank Matthew for the kind package from Maine. Um, It is cool to have somebody like Matthew who – via social media, became a fan of Indianapolis sports. I think IndyCar is initially where Matthew became a fan of Indianapolis, but then uh, kind of adopted Purdue to root for. And since then, and I love people that take pride in their home state and their home, which Matthew does. Living in Maine but following Indianapolis teams has become a listener of this program and sent us the Maine gift box. Indiana should do something like this in terms of these little packages of everything. Yeah, I would agree. So we have distributed. uh, I went ahead and took um, the soap, if you guys don't mind. There's a shock. No shock there. Uh, And thank you, Matthew. You sent me a very nice card earlier this week for my birthday, so I appreciate that. Question is, is it going to be gift wrap unveiling or is it going to be giving gifts to Kansas City when the Chiefs come Sunday? I'm telling you, I do think, and I know you think I'm crazy, I do think that the Colts are going to win on Sunday. I, I, I may be the only one thinking that. Yeah, you know, we talked about the blueprint a little bit earlier, Jake, and again, the Jonathan Taylor aspect to it, you you believe in, um, or at least there's a reason, I think, to believe in it. It's just there's no margin for error defensively, and if that pass rush is as non-existent as it's been, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Jake, his last five road games, 17 touchdowns and one interception. The thing about Patrick Mahomes that, you know, I'm not... His career against Gus Bradley, 15 touchdowns and two picks. But the thing about him that is challenging, Kevin, is I don't know that you slow him down even with a pass rush, right? 
I mean, at times he's almost better when he is using his legs and improvising. But that's what you did when you beat them in 2019. I mean, you hit him early. Frankly, you, you injured him early. He was hobbled in that game. He hit him eight times. Kamoko Ture, that was by far the best game of his Colts career. Four sacks in that one. I just, nothing of what I've seen in the first two weeks makes me believe you can replicate that on Sunday. Again, I, I think the Taylor aspect you can, but not the pass rush. Uh, let's get to Dustin. Dustin, you think the Colts got a chance on Sunday? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I I honestly don't think they have a chance off that. Uh, I and you know I hate saying that, but I I hate that we're already week three and we're li- we're already like living on a prayer. Basically, we're playing this game. <laughs> we're like maybe we can win this week. Hopefully, we can pull one out and then maybe get the season turned around. And you know the problem is is like we we don't just have to like win this game, but we have to turn it around and then be consistent for the rest of the season. It's, We've already shown that, and I just, I just, I can't trust that personally. I mean, you go out and do, you know, throw up what you've done the first two weeks, and I don't know how they're going to, you know, they might run off a couple games here or there, or win one or two, maybe even against Kansas City, but this is a team that we're going to, you're going to see them win one like that, and then they're going to have one or two stinkers, or like a close loss, and then a stinker, and then maybe a win. You know, it's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is I'm just I'm tired of hearing in the off season how great everyone is around the organization. I, I I'm sick of it. Ballard's freaking great. Reich is great. Uh, Quentin Nelson is great. I, all these people are so great, but we're sitting here at O and one and one. I don't get it. I I, I don't want to hear about greatness anymore until I start winning games. That's all I have to say. That's fair. Thank you, Dustin. Dustin actually kind of speaks my language. Everybody's like, I'm just tired of hearing about how great everybody is. Show me. Right? Show me. I think he brings up a good point about Jake. And I know a lot of Colts fans won't like necessarily want to hear this. Honestly, of the next two weeks, the game that you would want to have, if you still believe in the Colts in the playoffs, is not Sunday. It's next Sunday. When Tennessee is in your own building. Tennessee may be 0-3. That's the I, game that matters more because you've already squandered two opportunities in the division. Yeah. You will have played half of your division schedule by you, next Sunday. And, and, Kevin, they could be landing a knockout blow against Tennessee, I'm telling you. Tennessee's got right. the Raiders, right? You could be landing the knockout blow to Ryan Tanhill's did, tenure. Maybe would you have key. guessed the Raiders and Tennessee would both come in at 0-2 this week? No. no. We might be going into week three, and the AFC's, AFC South has a combined one win. With, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. With that win being over the You mean going into week four? No, we, oh, I'm saying like I'm saying week three. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Week four. Yeah, week four going into it with right one now win one total. win, and yeah. all of them are underdogs heading into mm-hmm. the Jacksonville's got the Chargers. Is that right? Jacksonville's got the Chargers. Texans have the Bears in Chicago, and yeah, I don't I mean, know if we're <laughs> holding our breath in your Bears. Hey, to be now hold on a second. I, Relax there. The, that Bears Texans game is kind of intriguing, is it not? It is. Justin Fields better have himself a game. That's one way to describe it. The Lovey Smith revenge game. You know who's probably doing that game? I think Spiro's on the call. <laughs> I don't think Spiro is Spiro doing games. I what tried to it? look it up. I didn't see him. Nansen Romo this Sunday. Kevin, we have not gotten to the genesis, the origin, the baseline of your Spiro angst. People jumped all over me for saying I don't like watching games with Gus Johnson. You just slander this Spiro fella all well, over the place. Honestly, it's probably less. I, I don't think Spiro's great by any means. It's probably more to do with just. He's the AFC South broadcaster. 
Gotcha. It's just, okay, here's Spiro and Adam Archuleta. Now it feels like it's Tom McCarthy and Tiki Barber. Those are the two that have done both the Colts games so far this season. So I don't know. Does that mean Spiro's risen or has fallen? I think he's gotten knocked out of the rotation because I don't see him listed on any games this week. I don't know if I've seen him at all. You know who is a very underrated football play-by-play announcer? Ian Eagle. He's good. I think he's great. The Bears get Bears Texans is Andrew Catalan and James Lofton. Oh, that, that duo blows. No. I'll is tell you, upgrade or downgrade from yeah, Adidas. Right. A guy that I think is pretty good is Chris Fowler. Oh sure. Like I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, I, I think a lot of people. I think he's really good at is, tennis. Is like a, a studio host and you know, or a, a, an on-site host, and he's really good. Yeah, the move from college game day to in the booth has been great for for sure. For he he started out with Scholastic Sports America and actually uh, dated Bonnie Bernstein at that time. Wow, there you go. There's a name from the past for you. I want to go back to again that Stephen Holder's tweet yesterday, Jake. And Steven said this, deep down I've been kind of blown away by the depth of the anger among fans when this team has had 1-5 and five and 1-4 and four starts in the past four years and overcome both. This is what they do. It's not okay, not at all, but we're just two weeks in. I'm not that shocked by the anger. Because this is year five. And it's the same problems. It's the inability to see the AFC South sitting on a platter and the inability to take that. Um, You've gotten manhandled by Jacksonville in consecutive meetings. How you've responded to these, frankly, dark moments as a franchise has been with little emotion, little actual results on the football field. Um, So I'm not surprised. Again, 2018, you started 1-5. and You know, that was the first year. It was a honeymoon period. New defense, Andrew Luck. 2021... You started what one and four last year, but think about it. You're competitive with the Rams. You should right. beat Baltimore. You had a, what a you know huge lead against Baltimore. You haven't done that so far. So it's early, but it's early, and you just played two of your easier games, and now seemingly the schedule gets tougher. Yeah, I, listen, I do feel it, it is such a long year, and things can happen in so many different variables. But for the most part, this team is healthy. Speaking of the Colts, and Therefore, what you have seen is seemingly representative of who they want to be in terms of their personnel. I mean, it's not like, you know, hey, they're not Cleveland, where like their their main quarterback is not available right now and they're having to, to make do. They're not, you know, I don't know what other teams are out there that have, you know, two linemen that are out and a linebacker, you know. Granted, Shaquille Leonard's out. That's probably a bad example. But for the most part, they are healthy, and and they just have not played well. Now, teams do find clicks and rhythms over the course of a season. The problem is you can't get yourself in a situation where then it's too late. The South, the division, is the thing saving them right now. And they've got some stuff to figure out. But, Kevin, it's not – it can easily be salvaged – and a big part of that happens on Sunday. But I do – it's one thing to lose against the Chiefs. If they get blown out of the building, then, number one, it's going to be tough to come back from that. But I'm telling you, Frank Reich – what do we hear about Frank Reich? He's a player's coach. He's a man of integrity. He was a minister. He's, you know, he's theologically based – 
He speaks softly, but his message is clear. Okay, all of those things, you add them up, and you say, if that's the case, if he is Tony Dungy, then guys are going to want to make sure that they don't continue to hear the yips and the yaps around town about how Frank Reich isn't the guy for the job, and they're going to go out and they're going to run through a freaking wall for him. And that building, Lucas Oil Stadium, is that big, huge, mammoth brick building. They don't even have to unlock the doors because that team's going to run through the brick to get out on the field to defend the honor of their coach. And if they do anything shy of that, he's lost He's lost them. And there's no reason for him to be here. I'm not saying they would make that move, but if Frank Reich is a coach that players want to play for and believe in, we're, then Sunday's when they're going to show it. And if they go out and, and play dead, then, you know, what do they say, man? Possums play dead at home and get killed on the road, right? And they've already done half of that. If they come out and they're possums and they play and and they play dead, then what are we doing? It's over. I hear you out on that, Jake. Part of me wants to say, why wasn't it there in the season finale last year when you were playing for a playoff berth and you just blown an opportunity Fair. in your own building the week before? Fair. Why wasn't that there in week one when you had let that simmer for eight months and the owner had undressed you and the general manager in his office right after the season ended? Why wasn't that there last week? when you'd had a seven-year drought in Jacksonville and you'd just been outplayed so thoroughly in week one for long, long stretches. See, they announced uh, Hall of Fame nominees earlier in the week. Football Hall of Fame nominees? Yeah. 129 of them. So this will obviously get cut down a few times, 25, 15, and 5. Pat McAfee was on the list. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame for post-NFL career, I'd say. Well, without question. First balloter. Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Jeff Saturday, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Bob Sanders, Pat McAfee. Those were the notable Colts. This might be contrarian, Jake. I would put Robert Mathis in before Dwight Freeney. I don't think that that's uh, entirely uneducated a statement to make because you saw Mathis do it. I think Mathis really, really, really did a nice job once Freeney was gone, of showing when people thought Mathis was just a beneficiary of Freeney, Freeney leaves and Mathis, you could almost say he elevated himself. That's part of it, but the strip sacks. Yeah. Leader in NFL history in strip sacks. And those are such game changers. He's a great player, man. Great player. I think Reggie Wayne... Um, He's got to get in soon, right? Soon-ish? I would think. Reggie Wayne and then... I mean, those three will probably get in eventually, right? Wayne, Freeney, and Mathis. And Saturday is probably very fringe. I think Saturday, the one thing that hurts Jeff Saturday, he had a great career. But I think a lot of people think that he had a great career because he was the center for Peyton Manning. Now, that helps him a little bit because that makes it, you know, how many people can name this, you know, who was the – decade-long center of the Arizona Cardinals. You know what I mean? But people know of Saturday because of Manning, which is good for him. But I think also there are people that are like, yeah, but I know him because of Manning. Does the -the off-the-field stuff help him at all? Probably. And I mean, you know, probably saving the league, really, with the contract negotiations, the labor dispute. And just being a a, a popular and well-spoken and and 
gregarious uh, advocate for the game itself on national television does not hurt him. Doesn't hurt him. Matt Taylor, Voice of the Colts, joins us here in about 10 minutes. I get this message on Twitter. Played 15 years in NFL, gets nominated for Hall of Fame. Query, yeah, but it's probably because of Peyton. Again, listen to the context of everything that I said there. I think even Jeff Saturday would tell you that part of his recognition level league-wide is the fact that he was the center for Peyton Manning. Like when he went to Green Bay and was in the Pro Bowl and they brought him out to do one last snap with Peyton Manning. Like he is, pardon the the phrase because it's center, but he's kind of attached at the hip of Peyton Manning. And so that he would tell you that that probably – what I'm saying is I'm not saying this is what I think. I'm saying there are people league-wide that are going to look at Jeff Saturday's name on the ballot and say, he was probably a pretty good center, but I think perhaps a lot of why I know of him is because he was Peyton Manning's center and thus in their mind subconsciously devalue him a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Claude asks, would uh, Robert Mathis's performance enhancement suspension keep him out of the Hall of Fame? That's a fair question. I, I think um, I don't think so, but it probably is something that gets brought up in the room. I think depending because he on, led the league in sacks, right? And the Robert Robert Mathis in terms, and I love Robert Mathis. I did a radio show with Robert Mathis. I have a great respect for Robert Mathis. Robert Mathis in terms of his post playing career, in nothing by any stretch of the imagination illegal in any way, shape, or form, but. Um, you know, he, he's gotten himself involved in some some things that are eyebrow-raising in terms of organizations and groups that he is linked to that may also, if people did a deep dive, could hurt him as well. Um, I think Robert Mathis is, I would say Harold Baines, but Harold Baines eventually got in, which is a joke in baseball. I, I think he's, I think Robert Mathis is in the hall of really good To me, the Hall of Fame means that while you were playing, you were, for the majority of your career, almost undoubtedly seen as the best at your position for the majority of your career. And I don't know that he ever was. I mean, I think he was really good. Leading the NFL history of the league in strip sacks, which is such, a, I think, an important... I think that aspect of his resume, Jake, only gets stronger as the years move along because now that's so much well, more prevalent in today's NFL. Pardon my naivete here. I, did they keep that stat? I think 82 before? was the start of sacks, right? I mean, still, that's a good I mean, that's what? It is. 40 years? It is. Uh, let's go to Ray. Ray wanted to join the conversation. Good morning, Ray. Hey, good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Oh, Loud yeah. and clear. Oh, okay, okay. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, I'm I'm wondering, from the fan perspective, does the the firing of one of fire Frank Wright come from the decision of Carson Wentz and bringing him in, and just thinking that Frank Wright is probably the remaining piece of that that bad decision that went wrong, and 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 that's why the talk is so much on getting him fired or wanting him fired or however the fire conversation has been going. That's a really fair question, Ray. I think it's a really good question. For me personally, and I listen, I'm not sitting here advocating for the firing of Frank Reich. Don't get me wrong. But for me personally, I don't even think about the win stuff so much. It's just the fact that, that the guys that are the guys that are there playing for him so far are playing flat. 
Yeah, I think that's part of it for me again. Four straight games. Um, you have seven Pro Bowlers last year. You don't make the playoffs. It's been such an easy division. Um, and again, I don't look at it like Reich is like the sole issue here. There's plenty of piece to the pie. But I do think the Wentz part matters a whole lot in the evaluation process. I mean, Jake, that's set your franchise back. It has set your franchise back. You traded a first-round pick for him. That's a big deal. You had an entire season where you played him at quarterback and you could have potentially done something different at quarterback, whether playing a young guy or, again, trading you know, that first-round pick that you had. Think about all those moves you saw this offseason. Non-quarterback related. Sure, you could throw yourself into the quarterback uh, realm with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, but think about Tyreek Hill. Think about Devontae Adams. Think about Khalil Mack. The Colts could never get involved in any of that stuff. They didn't have the first-round pick. Right. They didn't have the most important carrot that you need to get involved within that. Uh, Mo, you think Isaiah Rogers should play a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm all for it. So first off, Kevin and uh, uh, and uh, Jake, uh, a longtime listener, first-time caller, West Lafayette native uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina for the last 15 years. Kevin, I know you're a big golf fan. We got the President's Cup in town this weekend. I watched a lot uh, of it last night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And congrats on Max, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. Awesome to have a new member to the family. But anyways, yeah, I just I don't understand the the thought process there, right? Like Isaiah Rogers in limited playing time has always played well. Um, I think Brandon Faison hasn't been all that great. Um, and then I saw an article this morning by Nate Atkins. It seems like Julian Blackman's been pretty vocal uh, about you know Isaiah Rogers needing to be on the field. So I know he's not. Uh, stereotypical for the defense and the scheme because of his size. But to me, players make plays, right? And every time he's been on the field, he's made plays uh, versus face on. So I think when things aren't going well, you got to switch something up and see how it goes. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just, in my mind, I feel like he should be getting a little bit more playing, playing time. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I want to see him on the field on Sunday. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, he and Dallas Flowers, man, those are my guys, right? Jake, remember night in the fan cave? I said Isaiah, you know, bold statement. I think Isaiah Rodgers will lead the team in interceptions this year. Now, luckily for me, they haven't had a lot of interceptions early in the year, so Isaiah <laughs> Rodgers is still sitting pretty. Um, but I think that's a personnel switch that, to me, needs to be made. And Sunday would be the perfect time, considering, again, how now, much you need to rely on your defensive Now, backs. they did spend some money at, at – defensive back this year right as a matter of fact uh because they felt last year they had too many l's so speaking of they they decided to take those l's off the football field and put them in the the extraneous last name of the guy that they went out and signed this one for mr gilmore (laughs) it's actually there's more l's or or zeros in that there's more g's at the beginning like like he hangs this one for mr gilmore (laughs) now the big Oh, <laughs> We're clearly towards the oh nine o'clock God. hour. Yeah. Nothing, We're hitting our stride, baby. Nothing says Friday at nine We're o'clock like now. Dan Orlovsky's farting noises <laughs> being played at Kevin and Quarry. Matt Taylor, I'm sure he's thrilled to join us next here. Kevin and Quarry. Final practice of the week coming up. Just after noon today for the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matey, I brought it up earlier. I thought um, it was a great stat that you found 
on time of possession related to Patrick Mahomes, and I was hoping that you could share that with our listeners. I know time of possession to some, it's like, well, the analytics, you know, they say it doesn't matter. I think it has some relevance when you're facing a quarterback like him. What is that stat with Mr. Mahomes? So when when Mahomes and company since 2018, since he took over at quarterback, the Chiefs are three and seven when the Chiefs lose time of possession by at least 10 minutes. Um, so they're obviously finding, you know, obviously out of 10 tries, they still won three of those. So just because you do that doesn't mean you're going to win the football game. You still can't give up big plays. You still got to keep things in front of you and, and give up the explosives. Um, but it just means that if you play complimentary football like the Colts did the last time these two teams played in 2019 where you won time of possession by 15 minutes and had the ball for 37 minutes of game time in that game that that's typically the best way to do it is keep them on off the field and grind out first downs you know get 30 plus first downs win time of possession score in the red zone that's the way to beat the Chiefs and the Colts did that with with high degree of success in 2019 and that's what they're going to try and do on Sunday. But he's so good that he can still beat you when things in the box score don't go their way. Matt, I'm going to make a really bad analogy. I know that'll stun you, but it's the only one I can think of in, in to, to relate the two things that, that you and I do that would have in common, which, you know, there's not a lot in common between doing the play-by-play of auto racing and the play-by-play of football. But I think about, like, on the Indianapolis 500, there are occasionally restarts that I'm – I'm calling it, and I'm just kind of anticipating a routine restart. And then Alexander Rossi goes wide and passes like eight cars. And you're like, I was not expecting that at all. And suddenly, like, I've got to be on my toes and on my A game here. I would Mm -hmm. think that that's a little bit of what calling a game with Patrick Mahomes is like. Because you never know when that lightning's going to strike and all of a sudden he's going to catch it in a bottle on a play that you think is otherwise routine. Is that a fair statement? You know, great, great analogy because it, it, it does make perfect sense, at least to me. And this will be the third game that I've called, you know, between the Colts and the Chiefs. And he is just different. He, he does make you kind of have to reset your brain on how you call a game or how you anticipate things because of the, the juke and the jiving that he does in the backfield, all the pump fakes. You know, you can't get fooled by the pump fakes where you say, it's upfield. Oh, no, he's still got the ball. You know, you got to really – watch him and you really have to watch the ball um, to accurately describe all that he can do and, and again I think that just goes back to what I said earlier even if you do do all the things you're supposed to do in the box score he's still so good to extend plays and turn it into backyard football playground football where I mean, we've all seen it where he's outside the pocket rolling to his right and then he's just pointing downfield and he's just directing traffic on the fly you know, telling a guy to go here, I got time, or now I'm going to scramble over to my left and, you know, throw off my back foot or have to re-square my shoulders. He's just that, that good and that talented and what he can do. And that's why it's such a, you know, problem if you're talking about scheme against this guy. Do you rush four, drop seven or eight? Uh, you know, you bring three and play dime in the back. It's just, you know, what is the best way to, to combat this guy? Because you want to keep him in the pocket. But at the same time, you don't want to give them all day to throw. You can just pick you apart with all the matchups they have with uh, Schuster and Scantling and obviously Travis Kelsey. And now they're way more, you know, democratic with the ball than they ever have been because of the loss of Tyreek Hill. So 
it really is anybody on even any given play with that offense that can beat you. And so, yes, to, to go back to your earlier point, you know, Mahomes does make you as a play-by-play guy have to really concentrate. You can't anticipate things because he'll, he'll turn a three or four play uh, second play into a six or seven long play second play. And uh, you just can't be fooled with his wizardry and, you know, his ability to extend plays and make magic happen. Uh, in all four quarters. Some Houdini moments, certainly, and it'll be the first look at Patrick Mahomes for Colts fans inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, again, 1 o'clock kick here on Sunday. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is with us. Matt, I, I've, I'm simplifying it a little bit too much, but let's just look at the blueprint for Sunday and think of it in two ways. We've talked about the ball control. You think back to that 2019 meeting, you had 45 carries that night for 180 yards. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor could sniff that and obviously other backs as well, that would be huge on Sunday. The other part of that 2019 upset, you hit Mahomes eight times. You sacked him four. I mean, frankly, you mm-hmm. you, you, you injured him early in the game. He was kind of hobbled right. throughout. Right. So if you look at those two areas of the blueprint, the ball control and let's say getting home with a four-man rush, I feel much more confident in the ball control aspect right now than I do the four-man right. rush. Um, and I think when you factor in Kansas City's strengths and weaknesses, that plays into my thought process as well. Where are you at in your level of confidence in those two areas? Yeah, I'm with, I mean, based off what we've seen so far, I mean, the Colts have played nine quarters when you factor in the overtime. Uh, they've really only gotten consistent pressure in one of those. That didn't come until – you know, the fifth quarter in week one with Quiddy Pay with a couple of sacks. So, yeah, if you're going to only rush rush four and get consistent pressure, that means those guys got to start winning. And, you know, you talk about the injury report this week with Unique Ngakwe and landing on it with the back. He didn't practice yesterday. So that's, you know, a concern and a, a big storyline today to factor in his availability because, you know, he's uh, – you know, I know he's had a quiet start to the season, but he's still – you know, a premier guy, consistent guy at, at that position, creating pressure, you know, every year since 2016. And, you know, DeForest Buckner still on the injury report, although he's practiced in full, but he's still, you know, landing on the injury report with a hip. You know, Quiddy Pay is still developing in year number two. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's, you got to be able to do both of those things. And if you're just talking about confidence level, you're, you're confident in the Colts' ability to run the football and get first downs and eke out a lot of long possessions in this game, maybe more so than your confidence in the pass rush. That just boils down to what you've seen so far. And I think there is a, uh, a little bit of a healthy push on that unit this week, knowing that hey, it, it, was, it was a proposed strength of this team in training camp because of the personnel they added – you know, going heavy in the draft with Quiddy in 2021 in the first round, uh, you know, trading boldly for Ngakwe. You've got Buckner, who saw so many double teams last year from his defensive tackle position. Um, that, that needs to come to fruition. You know, same thing with Dio Dangbo taking that second step in year number two. If the Colts are going to win this game, they have to kind of replicate what they did three years ago in Kansas City that night, and they've got to find some way to get pressure and sacks and disruptions with only four instead of selling out and blitzing Patrick Mahomes. Because we've seen that too. If you bring extra pressure or extra guys to generate pressure, he's going to pick you apart with his accuracy and the playmakers they have on the outside. And it's, it's, it's sort of a bad recipe. So you got to pick and choose your moments. You can't just play them one way the entire game. But consistently with the front four, 
that that has to generate some momentum and some pressure in order for the Colts to win this game. Matt, let's say hypothetically, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. Let's say hypothetically Chris Ballard calls Frank Reich this week on the phone, and he says, Coach, I got to thinking about this, and here's what we're going to do to beat Kansas City. We're going to take the game film from our first two games, and we're going to pick the nuances of the areas that we have done well so far. And we're just going to go all in on those. Not based on where they have been good in years past, but where they have had flickers of hope or promise this year. Frank Wright calls Chris Ballard back and says, I watched the film and decided our best areas are this. What two things does he mention? Clone Grover Stewart. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, yeah, it's it's Grover Stewart. It's... Uh, you know, outside of one bad kick in overtime, uh, it's been special teams play, which has been really, really good. And, you know, those those are not the, the two biggest things you want to talk about when you're uh, through two games of the season. You know, you're 0-1-1, and when you're talking about your punter being the highlight of your team so far, one of them, that's obviously not a good indication of, of how things have gone so far. Um, so I think right now the Colts are sort of recalibrating you know, what, what they want to be and who they want to be on offense. And I think, you know, Frank kind of talked about it earlier this week, and it's it's become, all right, it's, we need to start thinking about players and not necessary plays. And I, I, would, I would think that the Colts are going to think long and hard about who their best players are and get those guys on the field. And to me, it's Taylor, it's Pittman, and hopefully he's healthy coming up on Sunday – and it's Hines. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of, you know, two-back uh, formations, or in this case, Hines in the slot. Just have Hines and Taylor on the field way more than what they have been through the first two games. Now, I could be totally wrong about that, but I think if you're just talking, if you're hearing the head coach and the play caller talk about players, not plays, then you know your best players are 21, 28, 11. And, you know, get the ball spread it around to Alec Pierce and, and you know, uh, Mike Strawn, who I think is not too big or the, the, this game is not too big for him uh, in year number two. So, I mean, I think those are the things you're focusing on on offense is just we need to get the ball into our best playmakers' hands more often here. And it also starts with the offensive line, too. You know, those guys need to do a better job of protecting I know you guys have chronicled it. Um, you know, we've talked about it as well, just the amount of investment and dedication to that offensive line across the board. And until you fix the problems that you've seen so far with the twists and the stunts and the text games and, you know, the creativity that teams have shown to get after Matt Ryan, uh, until you fix those things, that leaky faucet's still going to be there. It's a copycat league, and the Colts know that, and they've spent all week trying to shore those things up. Ryan Kelly has talked about it this week. I know Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So I think going back to your, your racing analogy, Jake, you know, with the restarts, I think this is the ultimate restart for the Colts. And it's kind of natural because it's week three. You haven't played your best. It's the home opener. You have a marquee opponent coming into Lucas Oil Stadium. And all the the football world is down on you saying you're overrated, you're not as good, and all of these things. It's a perfect time to go out and show people that you are the team that you think you are. You're much better than the product you've put on the field. And, again, to use that restart analogy, let's, let's restart our focus, our intensity, our energy about this season. Because even though it's week three and you're winless through two games, 
listen, you still have 15 games left. The AFC South is very, very forgiving. The Jaguars aren't going to run away from anybody. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Everything you you have uh, goal-wise is still out there in front of you. You just need to fix you know yourself. You know, you, there's been a lot of self-inflection in the first two games. If you if you correct a lot of the stuff that you've done to yourself, then I think you're going to be in, a, in a, a position where you can compete with the Chiefs, and if you play really well, you can beat this team at home. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels like on the restart here, uh, the Colts have yet to really get the car in gear, but then they realize that the other cars in their row, one of them just sideswiped the wall, and the other one completely stalled. <laughs> right, and the one that the one that's just in front of them is driving a brand new car that it hasn't totally figured out yet. So they're right. so you know, I mean, for unforgiving is a really good way of saying, or forgiving, I guess, is a really good way of saying it. Right, the AFC South is pretty forgiving at this point, no question about yeah. it. Right. Matt, um, something I brought up earlier, and again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Um, Isaiah Rogers, Matt, has not played a defensive snap in the first two weeks of the season. I asked Gus Bradley about it earlier in the week, and you know, he didn't say anything too alarming about why he's not on the field. Um, I understand the Colts' line of thinking in years past. They never wanted to play six defensive backs because they didn't want to take either Shaquille Leonard or Bobby Okereke off the field. Those two guys just meant too much to them. Well, right now, you know, and we'll see about Leonard for Sunday, you don't have that. And to me, Zaire Franklin is more of a run guy than he is mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a coverage guy. So I look at Sunday and think, you know, man, could you throw out Isaiah Rogers? Again, you'd probably be playing more defensive backs, but to your point about what do you do to defend Mahomes, this seems to match up with a can we find somebody new to throw out there that can help us? And also, does it play right into the game plan of defending such a high-octane offense? So Rodgers is a name that I'm just curious about, Matt. You know, when you've had the struggles you've had, uh, could he be a guy that you turn to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth talking about because in the past when he's played, and it hasn't been a ton in terms of consistency, he's been sort of a spot starter or a contributor due to injuries in the past. He's played well. I mean, he's got, you know, the interception on Tom Brady and he's got some other good, you know, defensive moments. He had that would-be interception, a batted ball in the end zone a couple years ago as a rookie in the playoffs when he really didn't play a lot in his rookie season in the regular season, came up in a big moment, you know, there in Buffalo. So he's a good player that has just things that you just can't teach. I mean, he's got speed and quickness and makeup ability, even when you think he's beat, he's not because of just his raw athleticism and that speed where he can, you know, cover ground in a, in a, in a short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, that to me has been interesting because he hasn't played at all. And during training camp, at least those first couple of weeks, Kevin, it was sort of 50-50 on who's going to be out there between he and Faison because maybe not 50-50, but, you know, there, there was there – was, enough division of the playing time where you thought it was a competition and then to not have him play at all defensively the first two games um, has been a little bit of an outlier on how I thought the early part of the season would go at his position. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you look at the Colts defense as a whole and they've been sort of feast or famine, hit or miss, you know, and I don't know if, if this has anything to do with, with Faison's involvement out there or not. I mean, I have to go back and watch you know, the, the circumstances and situational. But, you know, the, the Colts have been one of maybe the best team in the NFL at creating three and outs so far. They've also induced a ton of punts. I think they have eight three and outs forced on defense, which is really good. 
But then at the same time, they've allowed five five drives of at least ten plays to their opponents, including three on Sunday to the Jaguars, where they gave up seventeen points on those on three of those possessions. So five possessions total in two games, they've given up twenty four points. So it's like there's really no middle ground for the Colts. If they don't get off the field right away, then it's sort of this long, arduous, uh, you know, long possession for the for the opponent. Um, and arduous for the Colts to get off the field. So that's where you want to find some consistency where if you hey, if you give up a first down or two, you can still get off the field and make them punt from the 50-yard line or in the, in the high red zone, whatever it is. Um, and I don't know, again, where facing factors into that, but I'm with you. It has been a little bit of, cur- of curiosity because of just I, I think Isaiah Rogers is a good football player. And I didn't predict that he would have a goose egg next to his name and involvement through on defense through two games. Hey, Matt, last thing here, since this is the home opener, and I wanted to give you the opportunity on this, I, I want people to know, uh, you know, you and I don't know each other well, but I know that you are very grateful for the opportunity you have as the voice of the Colts. Um, I know that, like me, you are aware of the fact that if it weren't for people listening, we wouldn't be doing this, right? We'd actually have real jobs, which would really suck. Um, so for me, like calling the race, when, when I, my favorite part every year of calling the 500 is when the dust is finally settled and everything's kind of quiet and I'm leaving. And I look out kind of over the track and I think like, okay, what did we see today that we're going to talk about for a long time? For you personally – is you still kind of absorb the opportunity that is beset before you now for another year of calling games at Lucas Oil Stadium. What's your favorite part of the game day experience? What is the part where Matt Taylor pulls in and thinks, well, I've come a long way from taking a, a dinner break at my parents' house in the basement doing fake radio. What moment? <laughs> what moment is when it hits you? I think for me, that moment is right before the game and the national anthem. And you talk about it being quiet. It's it's quiet for the national anthem. Everybody's standing. And most of the time, you know, you've got a sold-out crowd at Lucas Oil. Everybody's in their seats, you know, just minutes before game action. And, you know, you're so high up in the press box. You're seven stories up. And you can see the entire field. You can see the entire stadium. You know, you have this, this – um, you know, panoramic view of of the stadium being that high up, and it's it's definitely a, a pinch me moment. You know, there's sixty five thousand people here, all rooting for you know one common goal, and then just to see that you know number of people that that mass of humanity, uh, but then also to to also realize to your point that there's that many people. I don't know what the number is times times 10 times 20 times 30 i don't know what the number is listening around town you know streaming the game wherever they are around the country listening on sirius xm uh all over the country all over the world and for whatever reason they're tuned into the colts game that day and it's your job to paint the picture to enhance their game day experience to tell them what's going on to put into context you know what's happening in the game uh, you know, describe that in a, from a historical standpoint. I mean, it's just a huge responsibility. And so to look out at all those people right before the game and also to know that I'm, I'm a kid from Indianapolis. I grew up 15 minutes from Lucas Oil Stadium. To have this job in the state, in the city that I grew up in, the odds of that happening are pretty minuscule where I don't have to chase a dream somewhere else and, 
move my family. I can do it here and not have to uproot people. Um, that is something that's not lost on me. So, yeah, home games when the you know, the the hundred yard uh, national the, the the American flag is unfurled. That that's a big pinch me moment on how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing and how much of a responsibility it is, and it's just not lost on me. And it's such a cool job and responsibility that I so much enjoy and look forward to. And a well-deserved opportunity that you were granted and have continued to do over the past couple of years. Rick Venturi along with Matt Taylor, Lara Overton on the call coming up here Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Our coverage will begin at uh, 10 o'clock, I think, network-wise. 9 o'clock, JMV is over at Bullseye Event Center. I usually join them in the 9 o'clock hour on home games. Mate, have a great call on Sunday. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Hey, congratulations again on Maximilian, Kev. Really, really happy for you, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. That's Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Whose name's he going to be calling the most on Sunday? On the Colts? Either one. Well, I mean, if Pittman's healthy, I I think you have the ability to tap into what you did week one. Um, but obviously, if you're going to play the ball control game, Jonathan Taylor's got to be. You got to give it to him, you know, twenty sometimes. You would think, right? You see this from Jim Mercy. We have some return tickets from our players' allotment for Sunday. Now on sale at Ticketmaster. Jeremy tweets at me. Mark tweets at me. Boy, players' families don't even want to watch this. <laughs> you guys want tickets to another game? So, so does that mean you get to sit in the player section, the family section? I think that, right? Probably good for the stalkers if they want that. Okay. I, had, I wouldn't promote I, that. I will tell you this before the checkdown. I'm not saying any names. Years ago, so nobody's still affiliated with the Colts. I had a friend who his wife and a very prominent executive for the Colts' wife, for the Colts' wife, were friends. So the prominent executive says, hey, I got a couple extra tickets. Do you want to go? And my friend is like, absolutely. So they go to the game. It was against Buffalo. Somebody for Buffalo made like an amazing one-handed like picket last night for the Steelers level catch. And my buddy and his friend just through natural reactions like, oh, whoa, what a catch. Like high five each other. He got a notarized, notarized, like a certified letter in the mail that he opened up. And then it was notarized with a notary public letter from the official denouncing their friendship for his blatant <laughs> disrespect of the franchise. I've seen it because oh, it hangs in his kitchen. God, that's pathetic. <laughs> it has come to my attention that you were using the tickets that were supplied to you by the Indianapolis Colts to cheer for the other team, and therefore, officially, it is hereby declared our friendship has ceased. It's like Elaine wearing an Orioles hat at the Yankees <laughs> yeah, game. That's exactly right. Take it off! That's exactly right. That is you know, so sad. Be sure to wear that Orioles hat at the next game. I'm going to have a little fun with him. <laughs> Gosh, that's sad. That is a true, 1,000% true story. I've seen the letter. You guys care to guess on the most expensive ticket and the cheapest ticket right now on Ticketmaster? That's Quick. a good question. You mean league-wide? Uh, no, for this one. Is this... Uh, oh, 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 okay. You just mean- did a quick glance for the most expensive and cheapest single ticket. Are these resale tickets, or is this just the standard? Uh, just what's available on Ticketmaster. $68 and $640. and 640 I'm going to say 78 and 650 Holy. You I just looked that up? No. That's exactly right. Oh. 
Are you sure? You looked it up. No, I what, had to I, have. I swear on my daughter's what are the numbers? lives, I did not. $78 and $650. Hey, yo. Hell, I'm proud of myself. I was only off by like 10 bucks. Mark Dykton. Mark. Gosh. I'm going to win a million dollars. When did you I'm going to win? When did you become Treskin? Speak it into By the like, way, does reality. my search history hey, work over a girl that I went to high school with, Eve Harvey, just posted yesterday on Facebook. I'm assuming this is legit. Maybe she screen grabbed it somewhere else. She's in Las Vegas and posted um, a grand pr- a jackpot on a slot machine, five hundred fifty-one thousand dollars. Wow, she won that. I mean, unless she's like pulling a prank on everybody. Which I guess is entirely That's pulling a prank enough. on yourself if you're doing that. Uh, at Mandalay Bay, it says Wheel of Fortune, triple sevens. It says jackpot winner, call attendant, and it's five hundred and fifty-one thousand five hundred and thirty-six dollars and thirty-four cents. God, and here I am, just pissed that the Steelers didn't run out the clock in the game last night, and my bet is just. Scotty wants to know if Mark's going to predict the final score now. Well, the Colts fans aren't going to be happy. Well, we'll do that at 945. Yeah. Uh, pop quiz coming up in about five minutes. 317-239-1070. Go ahead and give us a ring. Speed drum tickets, four-pack we are giving away on that. For now, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday was the Cardinals over the Padres 5-4. Albert Pujol still sits on 698. But speaking of record home runs, it looked like Aaron Judge might have tied Roger Maris last night. But, as my mom says, one more biscuit for breakfast, perhaps. He was about five yards short of a dead center home run. Yankees still, though, over the Red Sox 5-4 in walk-off fashion in the 10th. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, it was the Guardians over the White Sox 4-2. Cubs over the Pirates 3-2. Indianapolis Indians... 6-4 winners over the St. Saint Paul Saints. If that was Aaron Judge's 61st home run, would there have been a mad dash of people just jumping the rails? Yes. Because there's no yes. seats over there. Without question. Yes. That have been wild. Uh, last night, Thursday night football, the Browns, 29. I don't like the midfield logo. Not a Brownie the Elf fan? No. My daughters liked it. They thought it was cool. but It like, used to I, be just a helmet? It was just a helmet before. I don't mind it. 29-17, Browns over the Steelers there. The Browns moved to 2-1 and one on the year. The Steelers 1-2. and two. Mike Tomlin after the game was pretty strong in saying that Mitchell Trubisky will continue to be their starter, but you got to think the time ticking a little bit on that. Think the Browns can make the playoffs? Yes. I thought about that yesterday. Uh, college football tomorrow, the slate of games. It's you, Indy, at Ohio, Dem- uh, Ohio Dominican. Easier for me to say. That's a 1 o'clock kick. You've got Marion at Missouri Baptist tomorrow, then games in the late afternoon and into the evening. Indiana at Cincinnati at 3.30. Notre Dame at North Carolina at 3.30. Ball State at Georgia Southern at 6 o'clock. Florida Atlantic at Ross Aid to take on Purdue and Purdue's homecoming at 7.30 tomorrow night. We'll do our picks to close it out. Notre Dame, a slight underdog at North Carolina. Indiana, 16 and a half just, against Cincinnati. That still stuns me. Last I saw in Purdue was nearly three touchdowns over Willie Taggart uh, and the Florida Atlantic. Is it Owls, Scotty? Yes. I was going to say, Scotty's got some Florida What's Atlantic Florida ties. International? Are they the Panthers? Panthers. Okay. Yeah, 17.5 point favorites for Purdue. You know uh, Owls? 17.5? Mm-hmm. You know Owls can turn their head 360 degrees, I think. Really? 
close to it. I don't know if it's 360, but darn close. God, my neck just hurt imagining that. <laughs> We've got some callers for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Maybe it's not 360. Maybe it's 180. I, was I don't know. Say, that seems a bit aggressive there. Yeah, it's 180. Can you imagine? I don't know. Maybe they can do 360. No, they wouldn't be able to do that, right? That's like one of those like weird, creepy toys. You just want to, like, and I feel like I'm watching Toy Story. Yeah, it's like 180, probably. You just want to throw it. The throw it out. E- owls can rotate their head 270 degrees. Is that what it is? That's okay. I mean, so three quarters. I, I can't do it. Oh. Ten. Educate and entertain. Is what you do. <laughs> Pop quiz next. <laughs> Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. By the way, Kevin, how, how are you feeling with the stale coffee experiment? I, did you just see that yawn? I did. God. <laughs> once know was that decaf? Did you accidentally grab a decaf? Do you have decaf in your house? I mean, we did when Maddie was pregnant, but no. No, I didn't. I don't think I did. I don't know. Max is crying. I was like, all right, just stop crying. Let me get my coffee. And as I started drinking it, I'm like, is this stale? The old punch hole in the K-cup. I've yawned 13 times in the show. <laughs> Have I? Do I sound lethargic? Have I sounded lethargic, or have I faked it well? Well, I mean, I only woke up like 20 minutes ago, yeah. so don't ask me. I, I can't say. assess the first two Mark, hours. You sound all right. Okay. Oh, you said that as if I don't. No, you sound fine, too. <laughs> all right and fine. Nothing says 22nd <laughs> ranked show in the mid-market This is like Kevin Inquiry, the... Somewhat sufficient morning radio program mm-hmm. of this right. radio station. Chocolates, the, the pumpkin spice, that, that woke me up. We are the bit. Jeff Fisher of radio shows, right? Scotty, have some pumpkin spice chocolates. Now, oh, come on. Mark, take them home to the kids. Oh, you boy. know, similar to earlier in the week, Scotty, this is another short pop quiz, and then I look at question five, and I'm like, is that a reference to Maury, the TV show? What is it? Jake got number here, one through eight. Freebie Friday, by the way. So speed drum, of course, and then free Jiffy Lou prize pack Yep, to give away. I will go with uh, Jonathan Taylor's number 28, correct? Indeed. I'm not taking 28 callers. Uh, well, here's the thing. So if you take the 2 and the 8, you add them together, that gets 10. You can't do 10, so we'll divide that by 2 because it's a two-digit number, so yeah, we'll go with I'm 5. Yawning. Oh, I'm in algebra. Look at all the math <laughs> I just what did, guys. Do? X Give me a round of five. Man. 90 on the midterm, boys. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. See, Tudor, look what I'm doing <laughs> on my show. What I just you pick? I don't even know think, what number you I just yawned four prof- times during Jake's <laughs> math problem. Five? You think the prof listens to the show, and it's like, that's impressive. Who's this Jack? Ass on the air. Take if I ever run into him, off. I gotta speak my mind. We, we did have a caller drop ass several times <laughs> Excuse earlier. I, I believe there was three references. <laughs> Kevin to <that>. phrasing. <laughs> God Almighty. <laughs> Here, let me get that scented candle we got from Maine. Here, go ahead. <laughs> Mark, I think we've had that set in the studio before, actually. <laughs> we need to have a we meeting did. about our verbiage, please. <laughs> are, the, are those paint thinners back? I wish. If that's the smell we're getting i'll take i'll take rain brain paint thinner any day patrick good morning morning guys well patrick happy friday my friend patrick do you want to host a radio show 
Uh, yeah, I, all I need to do is say 270 degrees, right? <laughs> Last time you <laughs> dropped ass, Patrick. Let's just go right into it. I, mean, I don't even know if that's necessarily a phrase. Patrick, they might be taking resumes on Monday. <laughs> all right. Uh, hey, Patrick, you sound like a fun-loving fella. Have you called the program before? I have. I'm the guy about two months ago that told you my life story. Uh, and I forgot to say, uh, Kevin... Go Trojans, because I, I'm also a uh, Clay. There we go. Clay Junior High, baby. Fight, fight, fight on Wisconsin is our fight song um, to that. Uh, to that. Uh, Who's your rival? Melody. Well, when I was there, it was Carmel, but I believe Creekside has also been built. Okay. All right. Fair enough. When did you go? When, uh, when were you at Clay, Patrick? Uh, 90s, early 90s. So was North Central your rival when you were at Carmel? Uh, I believe so. It was North Central and Ben Davis. Yeah, I could see Ben Davis. Don't they call it like the Noblesville. Don't they call it like the Holy War or something? Carmel, North Central. I don't know. We call mile something or other five mile. We had a Uh, nickname nickname for Carmel, but I probably shouldn't say it on the air. Mm, Jeez. Did you guys know that the uh, the N on Noblesville's field stands for knowledge? (laughs) That's. See, there you go. That, now the rivalry's coming out. That's yeah, what I like Patrick pulling out all the stops here. All right, Patrick, your knowledge is going to be put to the test. And one of the shorter pop quizzes, uh, but again, freebie Friday. Um, Jake, let's see how he does. All right, here we go, Patrick. Uh, question number one. The Colts host Kansas City on Sunday. Who leads the all-time series between the two franchises? I'm going to say the Colts. Okay. I'm surprised by that margin. I'm surprised by the small number of times I've actually played. It feels like a lot. Colton Wong hit three home runs and drove in all five Milwaukee runs last night as the Brewers beat the Reds 5-1. How many hits did the Brewers have last night? <laughs> Why what a random would anybody question, know Scotty? that? Three. Three, four, five, or six? I, I'm going to go four then. Hey, what? You know, Carmel Clay School is known for their academia, and Patrick is following that suit. Uh, Question three, where does NASCAR race this weekend? Talladega, Charlotte, Texas, or Vegas? I have no clue. Vegas. IndyCar also races there, right? IndyCar does race at this track. Talladega, Charlotte, Texas, or Vegas? Charlotte. Patrick, number four, Purdue welcomes Fort Atlantic to Ross A. tomorrow night. My Aunt Kathy will be there for homecoming. She preferred the kickoff to be in the afternoon, but nonetheless, it's at night. It's just the second time that the Owls have played a college football game in the state of Indiana. Who did FAU beat in their only other trip to Indiana? Indiana State, Butler, Indiana, or Ball State? Uh, My first inkling was Ball State. Okay. Uh, Patrick, NASCAR's ra- uh, running this weekend at a place where the stars at night are big and bright. Is it Talladega or Texas? <laughs> uh, Texas. Okay. Uh, lastly. What is the name of Clay Junior High's football field, <laughs> Patrick? Clay Junior High's football? I don't even remember that. Oh, my gosh. Bowl, isn't it? That'd probably be uh, Connorsville, right? Yeah, that is Connorsville. I think it starts with a T. Hopefully my brother's listening. I thought it was like Ty, like T-H-I-E-L or something. 
I don't remember. Teal. Wow, that's yeah, I was I was young. It's got sure. I bet it's Teal and I'll bet it's named after the like electric folks or whatever it was, the Teal Company. Should right? I read number five or did you already ask a few? Yeah, one? we'll do number five here. Sixty years ago today, the late Maury Wills stole his ninety seventh base of the season, breaking the modern major league record that Ty Cobb had had set in nineteen fifteen. He would finish the season with one hundred and four steals. Lou Brock broke that record in 1974 with Ricky Henderson setting the current mark in 1982. Within three, what is Ricky Henderson's major league record for stolen bases in a season? Now, I realize that I could have just eliminated the first nine and a half minutes of that question. Within three, what is Ricky Henderson's major league record for stolen bases in a season? You get it within 10, I'll be impressed. 132. Wow. Wow. Patrick. Patrick stepping up large. I feel like he almost deserves it. He made up for the fact that it took him, like, you know, halfway around Oklahoma six times to get to Texas. That's cool. All right. The Colts host Kansas City on Sunday, the season series, or the um, lifetime series, I guess, 17 to 10. The Colts. Loud and proud. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Double uh, whammy there. Question five, number two. Five playoff appearances. That probably adds to why you think the Colts and Chiefs always play. Uh, yeah, them. and a lot during the Manning era, right? Uh, Brewers had four, by the way, uh, four hits. correct. So we count number three as a miss, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a freebie Friday. Yeah, Mark's pretty adamant about it. Uh, where does NASCAR race this weekend? And plus, I thought the Noblesville joke was a little weak, to be honest with you. Uh, first, he <laughs> said Vegas. Then he went Charlotte. The correct answer, Texas. You um, blew it! Ball State was correct for number four. And 130 for Ricky Henderson. He's only off by a pair. 130 correct. You don't even get a lot. Come back with some predictions and put a bow tie on it. You Kevin and Quarry on a Friday. Please. Stand the line, Patrick. So if you're just joining us this morning, uh, where have you been? Kevin apparently had a stale coffee, and so he has not yet woken up, which means that uh, his ears weren't necessarily on a swivel of the way he was saying certain phrases just a little bit ago. But we did learn that if his head was on a swivel and could turn 270 degrees, he would be an owl. Um, somebody pointed out on Twitter a very good point. Owls would make great DBs in football because they would never actually get a pass interference, right? They'd always be able to get their head around. Um, we talked about the Colts and the Chiefs extensively and what exactly Indianapolis might be in for and is this the last chance for this team to show that Frank Reich's their guy how have you guys been doing the picks uh, well kind of like you in the last segment we're a bit, uh, a bit off to a rough start I don't understand like do we pick all the college games, like all the local college games, or have you guys just we, done we Colts? Or? We've just kind of done like plays that we like. We haven't focused in on either ones with the college, and then we yeah we do Colts, and then any NFL plays. You talking like. about in the pick'em? Yeah. Like in the oh, no, we're talking about just like show, like not 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 the show pick'em on ESPN. We're talking about just like our picks. On our nine forty-five pick yeah. segment. It's been rough. It's been not great. It's okay. I mean, I would start here. I think again. I would hope that IU covers. So I will go with IU. 16 and a half. I have that as well. Like Cincinnati lost a ton from last season. You look at their season so far. They lost at Arkansas. It's very respectable. It's a you know road SEC game. Kennesaw State, Miami, Ohio. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't understand that line at all. I mean, I get it. IU is very fortunate to be 3-0. But 16 and a half? Yeah. I would hope. It's pretty high. The only other college play I have is uh, 
Jake, I'm sorry. Wake Forest plus seven and a half. That feels like a high line for me as well. Clemson's solid, but Wake Forest will give them a run for their money, I think. I, I would agree with that. I'm very nervous about Notre Dame. North Carolina puts up like 45 points falling out of bed. Notre Dame can't move it 45 yards in a drive. I'm going to take Kansas, giving seven over Duke. Some people thought college game day should have gone there. Undefeated Kansas, undefeated Duke. I saw something that said like Duke, Kansas, Indiana, Kentucky are all undefeated. Jay Billis would have shown up just out of, you know. (laughs) That's right. What's going on? Although, you know what? I say that. I'm going to reverse. I'm going to reverse course here. I'll take Duke because Kansas is 3-0. and and Nothing says convincing like that. That's uncharted territory for them. So I'll take Duke to pull the surprise there. Uh, I got two NFL plays that I really like. I'm going to go with the Jags to cover seven on the road against the Chargers. Justin Herbert looked banged up to me last Thursday. I'm curious how he will look. Keenan Allen, his injury situation. I like the Jags to cover, and I'm going to take the – home underdog Miami Dolphins to cover five and a half against the Bills. Short week for the Bills. Traveling down there, playing in that heat. Fair. Take the Dolphins to cover. I That's have fair. the Dolphins as well in mind. The only other one I have, I like the Lions plus five and a half against the Vikings. I thought about that one. I like the Raiders over Tennessee. I think the Colts. The Raiders are on the help. road, right? Yeah. Yes. That spread is what? Like two? I think it's like one and a half. Is it that small? And what is uh, what is the line in the New Orleans game? Saints and who are they playing? The, Saints the Panthers. Panthers. Saints have got to be a slight favorite, right? Yeah, I think the Saints are. The Saints are only Saints a, are two and a half point favorites. Yeah, give me the Panthers. Saints. Give me the Saints yeah. to cover against Carolina. Jameis Bain get up a little bit, so that could be the reason why with that. But Carolina just can't move the ball. So well, let's Saints. look ahead to Sunday in the home opener. Five and a half point spread. Again, it is the biggest home underdog in the Frank Reich era. The Colts are looking for their first win in the month of September since 2020. Kansas City, they have been incredible in the month of September. Patrick Mahomes' last five road games, 17 TDs and one interception. The over-unders at 50 and a half. Mark Dykton, lead us off. Well, I predicted the, the cost for tickets earlier. And you guys are like, wow, that's impressive. So if I hit this one, and I'm being generous with my score for the Colts, I've got the Chiefs waxing them 38-17. And I'm being generous with the 17 points. Wow. That's a big number. They've lost all, uh, all you know, benefit of the doubt for me. Uh, I'll go next because uh, I think Jake has kind of hinted at where he has gone with his pick. I will go with the Chiefs 31, the Colts 23. Again, I think the Jonathan Taylor aspect to the blueprint can work. Um, but I feel like Kansas City is going to be pretty locked in knowing that their margin for error is slim, number one seed-wise, with what Buffalo has done. Uh, the Gus Bradley history against this uh, offense is not good. I will go 31-23, Chiefs. This is the last benefit of the doubt week I'm going to give the Colts. But with the way things have gone, it's now or never, in all honesty. If they go out and lay flat in this, they have absolutely zero excuse. So I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt. They get Jonathan Taylor uncorked, and they finally go with what works for them. 29-27, the Colts get the win. What would that be, like 20 bucks to win 80, something like that? Something like that. Lay a little scratch on it, Jake, the money line? Um, That in Indiana. Yep. 
Every, money line for the Hoosiers? No, no, no. Uh, I just took the, took the point. Everybody have a great weekend. Kevin and Corey will be back on Monday. Decades of tradition. This is a moment that memories are tailgating in any kind of weather. Face painting and school colors. All the ingredients for the American Standard College Football Saturday. The Marion Knights travel west to meet Missouri Baptist at 2 p.m. Then at 7, it's a Big Ten showdown as the Wisconsin Baptist.